Hey, everybody, it's Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. So real quick, you're about to listen to episode number 65. In the beginning of the episode, I actually mentioned uh, that we're going to be doing our 2020 year in review, in addition to talking about disappointments in pop culture. As a shock to nobody who's ever listened to our show before, that uh, we have gone far over our original outline for the show. Again, as I mentioned, not a shock. So the entire second half of the show didn't ever occur. And we were getting closer and closer to the two hour mark. And because we were trying to squeeze this in uh, before your end, that we decided just to stick to this episode being a 2020 year in review. And then we'll come back in January of 2021 at the end of the month and record our disappoint- disappointments in pop culture and make that a full fleshed show. So, um, like I said, stick around. Hope you enjoy the episode. Um, we have a very full cast, similar to how we did over the summer months. And like I said, we we hope you enjoy what we're bringing to this. And also, good fair warning, please expect spoilers for things such as The Mandalorian, in addition to things like The Dresden Files. So uh, you have been warned from this point on. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, episode number 65. I think this is our fourth or fifth episode of the year. (laughs) So not exactly what we had planned when we got into 2020 and we said, hey, don't worry, there'll be more content this year than there was last. We failed horribly on that. So, But anyway, we figured it was time to get back together again because the last time we all spoke, uh, we finished up our part two of the LGBTQ Pride episodes that we did back to back between, I think it was June and July. So we kind of done something a lot the last couple of years and whether it was a big Star Wars review because of a movie just came out. Um, But the year before and a couple of years prior to we did a year in review and we figured 2020 very much was deserved of a year in review. Uh, But not only that, we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, disappointments in pop culture, which lined up beautifully with talking about 2020 in any capacity. So without further ado, let's say hello to a very packed episode as we round out December. So joining us tonight is Kat. Hi. TJ. Hello. Jess. Greetings. Bill. Good evening. Jada. Hello there. Aaron. Hello. And joining us on the episode is not only a cast member, but also our producer, good old Ben Beck. Greetings and salutations. All right. So um, just also another fair warning for this evening. Some of us may have to pop in and out uh, more specifically Kat, because since the last time we all talked, we now have a four month old daughter that is now part of the crew. So we may hear some sounds in the background of her. So we'll be doing our best to kind of work around her a little bit. So Kat may disappear during parts of the episode um, as you know, she's taking uh, taking care of her while we're recording. But um, like I said, as we go into next year, uh, we'll, we'll find a better rhythm to that. So just bear with us on that for this evening. But Let's start the show. We start every other way. Oh, my God, that didn't work or flow in the right direction <laughs> at all. Let's start the show we, uh, the way that we start every other show. And the question I have for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be stuck in quarantine with the Wiggles or Barney and Friends? And just a caveat on this statement. They never drop character ever. <laughs> so uh, Jess looks like she was very much ready to go. I just have a quick question. Are we assuming how meta are we getting with this? Like is Barney an actual person 
inside of a dinosaur costume or is it they are the living embodiment of Barney. There is no person on the inside. Right. Okay. So we're assuming that there's no person, that it is just Barney. Correct. Okay. Oh, I'm changing my answer. Yeah, no, that definitely yeah. makes a difference. It does. It does absolutely change the entirety of the question. All right. So it seems like Jess needs to think about this for so a now, moment. So now, yes, I need to think. So Jada, you looked very prepared. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Wiggles because they have better dance moves. Um, honestly, like I was... The age where the people that I was, the kids that I was babysitting and my little baby cousins were really into Barney. And um, I, I pretty much wanted to murder the fuck out of that dinosaur since like the mid to early 90s. So we're going to go with the Wiggles. I mean, they're British. They they do a lot of dancing. I mean, my daughter likes British accents and I do a lot of dancing and I'm pretty sure I could get them to, you know, go into like a cool Bollywood Bombay Jam kind of class with me at some point. So we'll, we'll go with the Wiggles. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I just a quick correction. They are actually uh, Australian. They oh, are not even British. better. Yes. Hmm. I don't okay. know much about the Wiggles. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think really any of us probably on this call really truly do. <laughs> so again, uh, I just agreed to be quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ben, why don't you join us? Uh, join in on this next. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't really change my answer when you said that it was actually a living embodiment of a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> it just makes it even more confirmed that it would be the Wiggles because at least it's actual people and not a dinosaur I have to feed constantly because it's going to have to eat. And let's be real, feeding a dinosaur is going to take a lot. You still, have to, you still have to think about this, though, a little bit because ultimately it's it's there's just no real person in the suit. It's just... So very it's still animated. Okay. So it, 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 it's think of it as Pooh Bear. It's stuff and fluff. And that's pretty oh, much okay. it. So it's, it still doesn't change my answer. <laughs> um, mainly because I, I have a thing for Australian accents and there is a girl in the group. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking along that route because she is kind of cute. But other than that, I'd, <laughs> I, I'd rather not live with a big plush dinosaur and uh, well, two plush dinosaurs if it's Barney and friends. <laughs> Because, you know, baby right. Bob's coming along and I want to no, bop that. Dinosaur I, I think you have something. three or four that you're contending with on that. So, well, the last time I watched, it was just baby bop. And that was enough. That was that. Yeah, <laughs> enough. So I'm going to go with the Wiggles. Fair. Aaron. So I'm going to have to follow with that and say the Wiggles. And I mean, it's going to have to depend on the cast because I know the cast changed. But, dude, at one point there was a really hot redhead. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I would totally spend quarantine with her. <laughs> Jada is suddenly like, oh, wait, there was a redhead? <laughs> <laughs> is it well known that they're my freaking, freaking like kryptonite or what? Like, seriously. <laughs> no, Jada, tell us more. <laughs> What color is your hair this week, Aaron? <laughs> red. It's always red. You know that. <laughs> All right. Um, Kat. So I was in the age range where I did watch Barney. <laughs> so I would go with Barney because, I mean, it doesn't, I guess, like, because I watched it as a kid, I don't have, like, you know, that, oh, God, this is so annoying ingrained with it. Um. You know, and it, it'd be, I think, I feel like I would be more tolerant of a stuffed dinosaur being annoying than a person. Um, constantly. If it was constantly, like, cheerful and in, like, kids, you know, TV mode. Like, if it's another human being like that, my God. But think about like, it this way. 
they could, like also you could hand them the baby when she's fussy and they just sing to her like i would just plug alec <laughs> in front of them and they would dance and sing to him all day and it would be the best yes because <laughs> a giant stuffed dinosaur would not scare the shit out of a baby when it's holding it see but the giant stuffed dinosaur didn't scare the, the shit out of me as a child i thought it was cute I'm like it didn't you know again, oh, you i grew were, up with barney you were referring you, to was, the wiggles okay angel. sorry yes. yep. i was yeah I thought you meant handing Riley over to 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 Barney. I'm like, that's no, I would hand Riley over, over to Barney. No, you don't. You don't trust a baby with a freaking dinosaur because they have <laughs> tiny little arms. <laughs> oh God, yeah, Barney would like fling Riley. <laughs> Maybe uh, one of the and friends could uh, handle. There you go. And friends can help. <sighs> TJ. Okay, so thankfully you said that the dinosaur was uh, fluffy because this is going to make me seem like a little less of a psychopath because I'd go with Barney and friends and they wouldn't survive quarantine. This is big brain time. Big brain. (laughs) I would just spend the entire time hunting them. It's their plush. Who cares? The the beautiful thing is, though, too, because it has to be of all of quarantine. So it's like, you know, there's like little folds of fluff that you stuff under the floorboards, get in the couch cushions. Now they're all singing, TJ. All of it. (laughs) Okay. That's why why God created fire. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you're assuming that I'm going to, you know, hide them. I'm going to parade their remains outside for everyone to see, and I will get applause and cheers for it. Mm. I'm <laughs> for a lot frightened. of very sad children, probably yeah. a lot of sad children. Honestly, is Barney still on TV? No, I don't believe It'll be a lot of sad millennials, and at that <laughs> point, you know. We're already sad. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all depressed at this point. The, the, the dinosaur on the, the balcony is not going to matter. <sighs> and in my That's head, it. I just saw the dinosaur like Evita, like up on the balcony. <laughs> Bill. It's going to be a very sad and smelly fire if they're foam dinosaurs. So I'm okay with this. Yes, I am taking the same route as TJ. We're yes! going to spend it with Barney and friends, and we are going to toast that foam rubber to a crisp. <laughs> and then I don't have to worry about it for the rest of quarantine. Oh, so I'm glad it, I'm not alone, so, Bill. So and- I'm, I'm glad you specified that it was just like the embodiment of the suit, like mm-hmm. and not like a person inside it, not an actual real dinosaur. If it was real dinosaur, I was going to take the much darker route and be like, well... I guess I'm spending quarantine with the Wiggles <laughs> and we'll explore. I'll learn more about anatomy throughout the course of quarantine. It, it, this is t- taking a darker turn. This is still 2020 <laughs> in which this, did you? this is still 2020, in which are recording, recording this. This is the darkest timeline. <laughs> it's true. I mean, this is essentially sounding like, you know, like the dark night where it's like, the two people doing like, okay, we're going to hold tryouts and only one wiggle will survive. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like every day. I'll be like, okay, who wants to play games with me now? <laughs> Whoever wins gets to live. Wow. All right, Jess, bring us to a happy place. Okay. Y'all turn this into the most dangerous game. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't have time to list that. Uh- I thought long and hard about this because I did grow up with Barney as a toddler, but I also babysat kids who loved the Wiggles. So I am well-versed in both. 
at the end of the day, from a musical standpoint, I have to go with the Wiggles because we would be able to get like four or five part harmony going and their songs are more complex than the Barney and Friends songs. That is my only reasoning because I miss music. I want to harmonize with people in real time and quarantining with the Wiggles would allow me to do that. Fair. I, I, you know what? I would say I'd probably go with Barney and friends. Um, I think more mentally, I think I'd be more prepared to deal with, like, it's easier to look at something that's basically like the living embodiment of a cartoon, essentially, than four really overly upbeat people at six in the morning. <laughs> like, I have a hard enough time some days when Cat is very upbeat at six in the morning, let alone four people that are dra- addressed in very bright colors. Um, I, I think that's... <sighs> Maybe I, I, I didn't think this through. Oh, wait a minute. See, the thing about this is, it's like you could have them make coffee. You could have them like I would be like sleeping in every day and just having the wiggles like get up, stay, hang with my kids, like get them on their school Zooms, make some coffee for me. And then I come downstairs at like nine o'clock and they'd be like, here's some coffee, here's some coffee. And they'd be like, yeah, that's great. Go downstairs. Go help the kids. So did you just turn the wiggles into your own personal staff? Essentially. Didn't I know? Didn't I? <laughs> Better than I'm, hunting them for sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look at it this way. The comedy of errors of having Barty and friends do that same morning routines a lot funnier. Like, go make me coffee. And like, why is the kitchen on fire? fire? And they're like, I don't know. You know? Because you haven't um, taught Barney and Friends fire safety. There needs to be a whole episode about that. The Wiggles are like grown ass humans. And I'm pretty sure like they could probably handle a coffee maker. So like they can do choreography and dance and harmonize with me. And I'll be like, I'll be all into that at like noon. But like, you know, before 9am, they're going to be like hanging with the kids and making <laughs> coffee and breakfast. It's going to be great. You know, ultimately, my brain was like, I was like, I'm going to alter the deal and just say Yo Gabba Gabba because it's essentially Guar for children. I mean, that's <laughs> really what that show was. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So why don't we actually get into the start of our episode proper? Um, obviously, we're all very aware that 2020 has been a very difficult year. And um, I was curious for each of you because the last time we talked, it was like, how have you been spending your quarantine thus far? Uh, but now it's like, what do you feel is something that you individually as as an individual felt helped you get through almost an entire year at this point? We're, we're now closing out or close to closing out 10 months of this, uh, which is crazy to think about. So I don't know if anybody wants to kind of get us started. Uh, and honestly, it, was there something specific? And then that did that change or evolve during this entire cycle? Uh, and then I think from there, we'll dive into our true year in review with pop culture. So, um, Bill. I'll start. Um, so I've just been binge watching everything I possibly can from whether it's a series on Netflix or um, YouTube or, you know, and it's and it's either TV or cartoons or anime or movies that I need to catch up on. Um, it's just been a year of watching all of the things um, and watching all the things from a slightly happier time, I think, uh, you know, so yeah, watching these things where, you know, like YouTubers playing games from years past and then, you know, watching their current videos and they're like, yep, we're in quarantine now. We had a much better time a couple of months ago, but we now we all have to stay inside. So we're going to be here to entertain you. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, that's gotten me through. Like it's, I I'm amazed at how many things I've caught up on and most recently returning to watching anime and full series of anime as well. Um, any, any anime specifically that kind of was like a big driving force for you. So or? I just finished up watching all that I could of, uh, of Jojo's bizarre adventure <laughs> and the title doesn't do it justice because it is super bizarre and, but also amazing and awesome. And, um, I need to watch more of it, but there's nothing, there's no more that I can find that is, is dubbed. And I still need to watch it dubbed because I also do many other things as well. I don't just sit and watch. I'm like, okay, let's have this on in the background while I play a game. So. Um, good. How about you? So similar to Bill, I, I've been binge watching a lot, but I haven't been binge watching anything new, which this would have been the perfect time to do. Uh, I've been going back to things that I find comforting, uh, which is the main reason why I have watched. Uh, I, I use this term lightly because it's a lot more than a shit ton of The Office and Parks and Rec. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, I have been going back to these shows constantly. I I don't think there's been a day that's gone by in the past 10 months that I have not watched an episode of one of those three shows. That's uh, fantastic. But, you know, I and I have but I have been watch, I have been trying to watch new things. I've 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 made the dive into Shit's Creek over the past couple months, um, which has been amazing. Uh, gaming has definitely been a help. I've gotten more into PC gaming. Now that I have a PC that can actually handle it, I've gotten the PS5, which released this year, which I've been playing um, uh, cyberpunk and bug snacks and, you know, glitches and crashes included. Um, but the one thing I've, I've been trying to do that I haven't really gotten into is I've been trying to read more and I just I, for some reason, I just can't do it. I just. I need distraction. And for some reason it's, it takes a bit more for me to dive into a book. I know some people on this call are complete opposites of that. They, they can dive into books relatively easily. I think I've bought more books in the pandemic than pages of books I have read. Um, you know, which is, which is sad. That's honestly like, so that's pretty much the same thing for anybody. That's pretty much a PC gamer. I'm like, Hey, look, somebody's having an Epic steam sale. Yeah. I just bought 63 <laughs> games. I've only played three of them this year, but yep. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I have games that I've bought. Yeah. I think I've done that too. I think I've bought at least 10 or 15 games I've caught on sale on steam and I've played maybe three of them. Mm -hmm. I've built my library. I'm just not playing it that much. Fair. Cause I keep um, playing other stuff. Jada, how about you? Um, Let's see. For me, I mean, like, I'm still working, so it's not like I, I don't have as much time to devote to a lot of like pop culture stuff. Like, I work two jobs and I'm still considered essential at one of them. The other one's been a little off and on because it's at a fitness studio. Um, unfortunately, I'm not teaching um, my own classes, but um, I did get the opportunity to substitute teach for my mentor back in October, which was freaking phenomenal. I got to teach a whole month of classes at my favorite place. To dance, which was really great. That was before um, the new mandate came out saying recently that we're not allowed to have people in the studios. So um, aside from that, I've been momming and um, trying to get my kids through this crazy 
school year and trying to get myself through this crazy quarantine and just trying to keep in touch with the people that mean the most to me, which is a lot of you all right here. So um, when I can, I've been working out a lot because I have access to um, my studio's library of classes. And just when I feel bored, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go take a class now because it's all I can really do. But that's pretty much it. So that's fantastic. Um, you know, I'll actually jump in next here. And I would say for me, it, honestly, like I said, the thing that got me through the best was honestly my partner, Kat. You know, I, I think we were both in positions where we were feeling very disconnected from so much. You know, especially it was a lot easier, especially in the summertime where we could kind of have some kind of social distance hanging. And as, you know, transition into becoming parents, which that was one of, I think the other thing that was kind of got us through too, was we were so preoccupied with being parents that we didn't feel like we were missing out on anything because we were so engaged in this new life. Um, and that was, I think that's something you hear a whole bunch about from people all the time when they become parents is, um, there's that fear of missing out. And I'm like, right now we're not really missing out on much. <laughs> so I think it was kind of a nice transition, but at the same time though, there's a reverse of that where like a lot of people have that constant support around them to give them those escapes as being new parents, um, which has been harder for us to be able to do. I mean, we've been really more so it's just been me and Kat and Riley, which has been awesome, but it's also been like very like, Oh, we can't wait to see people again at the same time though, too. But I, you know, our little family unit has basically, I think kept, kept me going definitely throughout the year, which has been, honestly, I wouldn't have traded any of that, um, and I mean, honestly, like Kat and I have got to spend so much time together this year in general, and it was trying to just do little things and spend extra time together. And it was really nice to be able to embrace that when we could. Um, so that was really awesome. I mean, outside of that, I really started divulging into doing a lot more artwork than I have ever had in my life, like more work with um, digital art. Um, I've been doing more expansive pieces now too. using like I went out and got myself a cricket and have been going insane with it, which has been super fun. So it's just been fun. It's been a really great year to be start learning to be more creative again and kind of find new outlets. So it's been a blast. So I've truly, truly, you know, loved it. Um, Jess. Yeah. So we adopted a dog at the beginning of the year and um, I'm really glad that we did. He was, it was really great to have uh, cuddles during some of the bleakest times of this year. Um, that was really great. And my year was all over the place. Like I was out of work for a few months that I was back and we hit the ground running. So my coping mechanisms changed a bit as things went on. Like beginning of quarantine, I was hardcore reading. I was reading like multiple books a week. I was really into that. And then as soon as I went back to work, that kind of petered off a bit. Um, Definitely got back into watching comfort movies and shows as well. I think one of the first things I watched was Brendan Fraser's Mummy, the Mummy series. Um, that's a comfort, big comfort movie for me. But just again, having yeah, having Mike there, having Corbin there to to cuddle at the end of the day was very helpful. Also, baking a lot of bread. I have baked more things in general this year than I ever have in my life, especially 
not just baking, but also cooking as well. We had a very quiet Christmas with basically just the two of us. So I tried really hard to make recipes that were traditional to both of our families so that there would at least be some sort of cohesion during this time that was just really bizarre for, for both of us. So lots of, lots of baking and cooking as well for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. Aaron. Um, so I, uh, I've, I've spent most of the year trying not to eat everything in sight. Cause that's why I'm a comfort eater. And, and this is like, all I want is comfort. Um, but I've been, I, I cross stitched a lot the beginning of the year, started making my own patterns, things like that. And then, um, I had arthritis in my hands. So that put a, a damper on the cross stitching. Um, so then I just started kind of, um, focusing on making patterns and, and things like that. Um, but I've really, I mean, to kind of piggyback on what you said, Rob, I've really leaned on TJ, um, and other people in my life this year to kind of get me through because it's just, it's been rough. It has been a very, very rough year. And for me, normally my year would be doing a show or two Well, that's not happening. You know, there's no live theater right now. And so just being able to lean on my husband and, and my friends and the people who are around me in my bubble to be able to, you know, try to f- find things to do that are safe, but get us out of our house for a little bit, even if it's just driving around and going Pokemon hunting for like a couple hours, you know, so unfortunately I haven't been as creative or as I guess goal oriented as I wanted to be in this pandemic, but I also read a thing that says you don't need to conquer the world this year. You're surviving a pandemic. So <laughs> definitely. Cat, um, you can shake your head. If you can talk, you cannot talk. That's okay. So uh, hopefully my answer is very, my was probably very similar to what yours was. Uh, if not, I'll fill you in later. <laughs> um, TJ. Um, like you, Rob, I, I leaned a lot on Aaron to help me through it. Um, I worked on D&D a lot. I binge-watched a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, I, I, uh, I played a bunch of video games. I think I finished more games qu- quicker than I normally do, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't start anything new or, you know, do anything that I probably wouldn't have been doing anyway. I just did it faster because I was at home most of the time. I'm going to totally cut it on TJ too, because so not only did TJ and I spend pretty much the entire year home working from home, we worked together in the same office. So the fact that we are not ending this year in murder or (laughs) divorce court is probably a miracle. (laughs) That's a win for 2020. Yeah. I I, honestly, for me, like um, I, I've been remote since I think it was the 16th of March. Um, so there has been a long stretch of time where it's, uh, my office is my bedroom and my computer is right next to my side of the bed. So it is legitimately like roll out of bed into computer chair. And then you're basically spending like 80% of your day in the bedroom. (laughs) So it, it was a lot of, Hey, it was very much the put on a shirt, 
pajama pants will be the same pajama pants that have been worn the past two to three days and, you know, move on with day. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy though. Like this, how you just get into like this new realm and this new kind of way of living a little bit. It's very odd. Um, and I, I think it's going to be kind of like thinking about people climbing out of like the vaults of, or like from a post-apocalyptic movie at the end, when once we're back to normal life and everybody just kind of blinking at the sun, I'm like, what is this? I remember this thing, you know? I'm going to jump back in and say, I did try to start some creative content. I started recording videos. I started editing videos. I started a YouTube channel, but in true 2020 fashion, the new video card I bought for my computer died a month after I bought it. And because of the supply and demand issues, I can't get a new one until like probably late January, February. Oh, joy. <laughs> All it's right. Also- it's also been a fun experiment too. To and you, you reminded me of this, Rob, when you said roll out of bed, pajama pants are fine. Um, it's been a great experiment to see just how long I can go wearing the same pair of jeans <laughs> <laughs> before having to wash them. No, it's true. It's so true. Like I said, I would, I think I would extend out my pajama pants longer, but you know, feeding a small child usually involves throw up on said pajama pants at least <laughs> daily. So it's, I'm still going through just as many pairs as I normally normally would. You guys um, were wearing real pants. I was wearing leggings <laughs> for like four months straight. <laughs> I don't think I would look well in leggings. <laughs> so, oh, Rob, you jo- totally had the legs for leggings. <laughs> I got a new job in November. And after six months in quarantine, I had to put on a pair of jeans and a nice shirt so I could go to the office and it was the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> Am I the only person who's been working like at my established workplace this entire time? I've I've been doing I was my full time job was DoorDash before the pandemic and I've been DoorDashing the entire time. Yeah, like my so. husband and I have not we, we experienced quarantine very different from everybody else because we're both essential workers. So like we didn't have this whole like oh, let's stay inside our houses and wear pajama pants all the time. Like that was not our experience at all. Like I'm almost a little envious of people who got to do that because like we still had to go to work every day. We still had to worry about childcare every day. We still had to worry about who was going to be like homeschooling our kids every day. Like it's almost, it was, it was a lot on us as, an, as essential workers. Like that's, we didn't really get any kind of a break. And um I generally don't think it, it's really been anybody feeling like they have had any kind of break. I think a lot of the people that were, I mean, I can always, always, always speak for myself is I'm that saying anybody else had it easy oh, by yeah. the imagination. But like a, a lot of times I've heard people saying things like, Oh, well, you know, the government should just pay everybody to stay at home for two months and work from home. And I'm like, okay, but who has to set up those networks, the it people and who has to manage all those payments mm-hmm. and stuff, the people in the finance industry. So it's like, there's a lot of jobs that can't be done remotely. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a very different experience for those of us who still, like, I remember having to like wake up and go out, like go to work. It was like the first week, the first Monday after everything shut down. And it was like my normal commute from my house to my office usually took around a half an hour and it took me 10 minutes yep. because there was nobody on the road. That, that's, how was for, that's how it was it for was me like dashing too. The, the rate, the, it, it was easy to door dash because the roads were a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm going to say I'll probably be the only one that's had it easy because my job has not changed. I've been work from home for three years. So 
So I just continued to work from home. And again, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like insinuate that anybody oh, got no, 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 or no. anything like yeah, that. No, but I mean, it's, no not at all. Definitely no. different when it's like you saw like you, everybody else is getting one experience and you're like, ah, that wasn't what happened for us. We used to, no, have to get up and I, put on real clothes and shower and leave the house and like. I honestly, honestly, I think everything I, was normal. Anybody I know out of friends that has has been in positions where like they were like you and you and Mike, especially I think probably easily had it some of the hardest. Uh, especially with kids in school and being essential workers because everything was in flux week in to week out. So, I mean, I, it, it's mind boggling thinking about it. Cause even just dealing with a small, small bean at this point, uh, I couldn't imagine adding that to things that would be insane. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our actual year in review for 2020. Um, I'm going to actually push our first one, to the end, because I know Kat really wants to get involved in that. Uh, so we're going to break this into four categories. Um, TV, film, gaming, and books. Obviously, books being the last one, because I know Kat has much to say. Um, <laughs> so why don't we start off on the TV side of things? So figure the best way for us to handle this is to talk about the best and then ultimately the worst. Because, again, 2020, there there is always... A positive and a negative. So Jada looks very ready to go. What do you got, Jada? Mandalorian. Um, I thought season two was absolutely astounding. I very much enjoyed every single episode of it. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing where they're going to take the series from there. Um, as well as I know we have some other stuff coming up, but I'm can't wait to see what else is coming. So um, um, real quick, I just want to just gauge the room because we a couple of years ago we established our our life cycle of of spoiler discussions for a, our podcast has everybody here finished the mandalorian thumbs up yes we're good okay conversations can can discuss so if you want to get into the why um because even at this point in time star wars like the pro, like you know twitter account proper has started even releasing photos of the finale so um, so I think at this point in time, it's safe for us to have any further conversations if there's specifics you want to talk about. And we'll just say um, spoilers from here on out. Well, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ahsoka and I love that they brought her into the series. Uh, my husband and I actually had some differing opinions on how she was portrayed, but I thought that, um, I thought that they did an amazing job with her and her style, um, within that episode, um, I love how they brought actual, they brought um, Bo-Katan back and a lot of really kick-ass women into the series and the finale was just sweet perfection. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. And the second she was like, oh, one X-Wing, we're saved. I kind of was like, bitch, you might just be. Uh, depending on who's driving that X-Wing. And, you know, the second we saw that cape fluttering, I was like, wait, wait. And my husband had seen it, Mike had seen it like a couple hours before me and he's like, it kind of like made a face at me and I was like, no. And then the second they showed the lightsaber, I literally shrieked. It was like the coolest moment. Um, you know, I really feel like they they wrapped that plot like really well. And I can't wait to see where they take the series from there. Did anybody else fall completely when R2D2 came in, or was that just me? Like the whole thing, I yes. just bawled. Oh uh, no, I ugly cried. Uh, I actually ended up watching it uh, 20 minutes after it went up because I was in the middle of feeding Riley at the time. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start it. And you forget sometimes because when the show sometimes starts or first goes up, because I've experienced this through most of the season is uh, Disney plus has a tendency to crash, uh, especially when the new episodes go up 
because it times with California being like, hey, we're all watching it right now uh, because it's midnight. Um, so it was five to 10 minutes of trying to get the episode to play. And then when I did, it was like 4.15 in the morning and I was just a slobbering mess at that point in time from the uh, the finale. So, yeah, I didn't think it was possible to cry happy and sad tears at the same time. Uh, but Favreau and Filoni proved to me this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> that was my exact quote, I think, right after I watched it, too. I just felt um, like the entire season was so well done. Like every episode had some just like really astounding moments in it. I mean, the finale is, of course, like when we see Mando like lift his helmet and like baby Yoda like looks up and I'm like, oh my God, just so many tears. But um, it just, I really thought that they did a great job with the whole second season of it. And I really am excited to see it. I mean, I think um, even like people like um, that kind of were just felt very one note from season one were so well rounded. Uh, Bill Barr, uh, especially. Uh, uh, Bill Burr, not Barr. Bill Barr, yeah, or yeah, or Burr. Burr. Yeah. <laughs> Keep doing it. Barr, something completely different. Bill mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, it's been an interesting year politics-wise. We're just not going to get into that here. Nope. Um, <laughs> but he was such an exceptional character as well. Like I was really blown away. And honestly, one of the people that I think really stole the show as well was uh, Ming Na Wen. Uh, oh my God, was amazing. She was. I such love that they brought her back. Excellent, excellent character. But even seeing Tamora Morrison come back and play a very amazing kick-ass Boba Fett, uh, especially directed by Robert Rodriguez, of all people, and how amazing that was to see. Um, so, yeah, I very much share share Mandalorian with you, Jada, on that. I think that was... It, it blew my mind on how truly excellent that they did, uh, did this new season. Um, and I think Peyton Reed, who I think handled two of the most important episodes of the season... Uh, which was Bo-Katan's uh, episode when she first comes in and then the finale. Uh, he was just, or, or no, I think, I'm sorry, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think, did the Bo-Katan one. But uh, Peyton Reed, who did the finale, this, they both just knocked it out of the park and was just exceptional. So uh, any other big uh, mentions for TV? Ben? Uh, so I'm right on board with The Mandalorian, just like everybody else. Uh, but we've talked about that, so I won't mention it. Uh, it took me to 2020 to discover Shit's Creek. <gasps> so good. <laughs> now, we can't mention spoilers because I'm not done. I'm in the sixth season right now. I'm in the final season right now. Um, but this is a show that even though I haven't finished it yet, I already know will merit a rewatch. Because I have, I have cried happy tears from this show. I have been so moved by this show that I just, it has already become one of my favorite shows like ever. It's, it's so brilliantly written. It's so touching. It it just, and every character has, it has their moment from every member of the Rose family to like Twyla, like every one of them has their moment. I just, I can't get enough of the show. And I, the reason why I haven't finished it yet is because I've slowed down my rewatch because I don't want it to end. Mm. <laughs> Get to the end. It, it, it's, it's, it's so well good. worth it. It's I, I so and then I heard the the special afterwards is another one to watch and have tissues ready. Um, because yeah, the special is really good. That's that's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but the another show I want to make quick mention of too is the second season of What We Do in the Shadows that we got <gasps> this year. Another show that I think is just so brilliantly comedically written that like it again, like it Shit's Creek swept the Emmys, even though what we do in the shadows was nominated, but they still deserved the nominations that they got. 
absolutely. So th- those are my two throw-ins for best television of 2020. Uh, one quick mention, if I may, because uh, I just binged this in like two days, was Bridgerton. Oh my God. Just so phenomenally done. I, I really very enjoyed it. I love period drama. I know that there were some very obvious historical ac- inaccuracies and anachronisms, but honestly, I feel like they were done on purpose. And the plot line, the acting, the photography, everything about this show was just stellar. I loved it. Um, so I know it's relatively new, so I'm not going to say any kind of anything about the plot. But like, y'all, if you want to chat with me afterwards, we should. It's so I binged it. It's. I have some thoughts. Um, I read the first couple books last week in preparation. Overall, I really liked it. But there, I have I have some thoughts as Kat knows. Um, I'm going to actually throw in two different shows that haven't been mentioned yet. Um, one of them was, it was on Hulu. Uh, it was called The Great. It was the Catherine the Great series that came out in the early part of the year. It's really hard to sometimes remember that that was 2020. Uh, but it was such an exceptionally excellent, excellent, excellent show. Uh, and that came out, I think, back in like May, which does feel like an eternity ago at this point in time. But uh, one of those shows I didn't anticipate liking and ended up thoroughly just falling in love with that show. Everything about the writing was just purely brilliant, and this it had such a great level of satire to it, while also telling just a really compelling, awesome story. The other show is something that's been around, and it's currently in its season three, um, and is going to be wrapping up its season three very soon, uh, that I just started a couple weeks ago, um, just out of trying to find something new to watch. And I gave Star Trek Discovery a shot. And it was from a person that never has been a huge Star Trek fan. Like my level of watching Star Trek has been the Star Trek films, not the newer stuff as much, but like the older Star Trek films from the original cast, the next gen films, and then obviously the newer stuff. And then a smattering of episodes from next gen. So like my deep love for it is not the same as a lot of people I know. And for me, I think if anybody and a lot of people I know felt very uneven about discovery, um, but watching that show for me from a person that doesn't have a lot of deep connections to Star Trek was watching the show. And I'm like, this is Mass Effect as a TV show. And I'm so here for this. And I thoroughly, thoroughly am really enjoying this. And I heard it only gets better. And it feels like for me, this was the perfect gateway for Star Trek for me. Um, and I know that it will evolve, but this will, I think, probably bring me back to going and looking at older things that I missed because of recommendations from people. So really enjoying watching that play out. And it is a show that just continuously, because I do watch it. Um, I'm like two or three episodes behind the current third season right now, but, uh, it is a show that just continuously gets better and better and better as it goes on. Uh, Aaron, you had your hand up. Yeah, so to hop off the Star Trek, um, they have a couple of shows, but uh, the first one is Below Decks. The the Star Trek uh, where it goes, it actually, you know, you follow the people who are not on the bridge. The animated and series. The, yeah, the animated yeah. series. And I have not laughed so hard in my life. That was That is one of the best shows on television right now. Um, the other show is uh, is something I just found this year, even though it's going into its ninth season this year. Uh, I am absolutely in love with Letterkenny. And it's one of those shows where you would think it's a stupid, ridiculous show, but the writing is absolutely brilliant and smart. It's just wrapped in this dumb comedy, you know, bow. Can I jump off this call now? Hey, I, hey, I've, hey, I've hey, heard hey. this from almost <laughs> everybody I've talked to that said, once you get into it, 
It is brilliant. I've tried it. I just couldn't get into it. See, I, I thought the same thing. I started watching with a friend and maybe until like the third episode, I was like, this is brilliance. They're idiots and it's brilliance. So I would definitely give it another try, Ben. Maybe. TJ. Um, so jumping onto the Star Wars thing, but mentioning a completely different show, Clone Wars wrapped up this year. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did. Okay. It, 2019 blends into 2020 sometimes. Yeah, it's hard to remember. Yeah. Especially when you're binging everything and it's like, hey, I watched White Collar for the ninth time. Isn't it a great show? <laughs> um, but that wrapped up and that was nice uh, and the, well done and set up storylines that I hope they pursue. Um, and then Unsolved Mysteries premiered. And I always loved that growing up. And it was nice to be able to jump into new mysteries. And it hit at a good time, so uh, I had something to watch for a day. <laughs> um, so, Bill. Also, on the Star Trek train, uh, Picard came out this year. It was in January, back when we were all, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about 2020, oh, saying, God, oh, look. Came out the- yes, it came out in January. <laughs> um, which, yeah, it's... I would preface it to say that it is a show set in the Star Trek universe, not an actual Star Trek because it just, it doesn't follow the same kind of format of any other Star Trek series out there, but I think it's still a fantastic show and Picard is still as wonderful of a captain as ever, even though he's not really captain at this point. Um, And then on top of the uh, sci-fi as well, Tales from the Loop, um, which is a kind of, I don't want to say disjointed. It's it's a sci-fi series set in this town that has a weird sciency facility built under it and strange physics phenomena happen in the town. And it's not necessarily following the same characters from story to story, but exploring different stories from different people that are living in the town, which it's really cool. And also it's a little it's a little creepy at what the the science can do. Sometimes it's not quite a horror show, but you know, you can get those elements in there. Eureka, but darker. Uh, Definitely a lot darker than Eureka, (laughs) (laughs) but the same in the same vein. Yeah. Um, Jess. A lot of the same things that people have mentioned, but um, I absolutely adored the queen's gambit. We watched that really quickly and it was so good. Like, I didn't know I would care about chess that much. Um, it was just really well written. The cinematography was beautiful. Um, I definitely recommend it if you guys haven't watched it yet. Very awesome. Um, it's crazy looking back at even just the things that have come out this year that we haven't mentioned. And then thinking about, you know, Bill mentioning Picard that came out in January. It's crazy to think that The Witcher season one is only one year and 10 days old because it came out in December 20th of 2019. And it feels like an eternity ago. Um, uh, There's actually one last one I would like to mention in the best. And I think I know Aaron and Ben have at least watched this as well. uh, And they may agree with me on this, but a small little show that was only, I think like eight episodes long on Disney plus called prop culture. 
which was such uh, this cute so cinnamon like cinnamon role of the show, uh, which was really just it was I think it's Dan Lanigan is is the personality that hosts the show, and it's just them just taking deep dives into the Disney archive and being like, hey, like we found this prop from Mary Poppins and we're going to go reunite it with the original prop designer or costume designer. And like watching like who was, you know, the costume designer for Mary Poppins, like was in his mid eighties and was Joey Andrews husband at the time of that. And just reuniting him with Joey Andrews original costume, like, and watching the emotions like ride over these people. It was like one of those shows when you go back and watch something like great British bake off or repair shop, any of these shows that like, you just need to feel good. Uh, this was another one I think that went under the radar for a lot of people, but especially for, I know our show where we've talked a lot at great lengths about Disney stuff. Um, this was such a great deep dive in some really classic films. It's one of those shows. I really crossed my fingers that we see a second season too. Yeah. I I really hope they do a second season of that too. Mm -hmm. Um, cat, can you talk? Yes. No. Yay. Um, you know what? It's one that like we've, I, I swear Great British Bake Off has probably gotten us through this year. Like, we've watched it 5,000 million times. Um, and I mean, there was a new season, too, which is great. <laughs> so that helped, too, because I feel like, you know, with everything going on, the last, like, a lot of stuff I might normally have taken a chance on, I just wasn't interested in, because if it looked like it was dark or dramatic or potentially bad, I didn't want a part of it. I just wanted something happy and peaceful. And, you know, or like light and entertaining. So Great British Bake Off usually fit that bill in any mode where it's like, oh, this is a nice escape. It's very pretty. Like, <laughs> just enjoy this and watch people bake. I mean, honestly, too, with uh, GBBO, I think it was also great to, that we saw it kind of become a return to form, less kind of feeling overly produced like last year was. And it was more about many generations of bakers versus last year. It was like, everybody is under the age of 20. And you're like, what is the show? And it was very confusing. It last year felt very forced. This year felt like what it was when it first started. So it was really cool to see. Um, so now is a good chance to talk about the worst TV of 2020. And I don't know if we have a ton of examples because I know a lot of us usually like watch an episode of something and say, hey, have a nice day. Uh, Bill. I have a couple. Um, <laughs> so, and and it this isn't. I don't want to say it's the worst, but uh, Westworld season three kind of fell off the deep end a little bit. Um, it was definitely not uh, a return to form of what seasons one and two were. Um, so again, and this is going to tie greatly into. Uh, what we're going to talk about after the break it did not live up, up to expectations. Um, what else? What else? Avenue five as well. Uh, and that's the, the spaceship, uh, the, like the cruise liner in space and Hugh Laurie is the, the captain and they get hit by an asteroid or something and they go off course and it just, it felt forced. It didn't feel all too funny and uh we actually didn't finish it like it it just wasn't gripping enough where it was like let's keep going with this so i'm sure i could probably pull up a couple others um i'll just throw out tiger king because it that was on my list bill too did, did not you know even th- there was nothing there that was like you need to watch this it was just like oh look it's sensational and everybody's talking about it and i'm like 
okay, but why are you doing this to yourselves? You could be watching Star Trek Next Generation or DS9 all over again. <laughs> I, I kind of completely disagree. I watched and was hooked on Tiger King. I'm not saying it falls into the best of 2020, but I, me personally, I wouldn't put it into the worst. It was just escapism for me. It was just a way to, to, for me to watch something to realize like, hey, my life is not that bad. <laughs> um anybody else I, I i have a couple worst nominations um anything on quibi yeah. automatically <laughs> qualified <laughs> poor quibi um i even gave one or two of them a shot because i liked who was in them namely anna kendrick and i couldn't watch them they're horrible they were just horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, the other one I can think of off the top of my head is I'm, I'm still somebody who watches Walking Dead. Um, Walking Dead World Beyond, the new one that premiered this year, I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes. It was horrible. And I have not gone back to it. So hmm. uh, other than that, I really can't think of anything else that I would classify as worse because if I don't like it, I just don't watch it. Yeah, that, yeah. that was my thing for for tv it was like eh, if I, it, the premise didn't look interesting i didn't start it so and that might have mean i missed a few things but for the most part i was okay uh aaron jada jess any? i mean i can't think of anything because like we watched again we pretty much only watched things that we were like really really engrossed and like we also binged schitt's creek this year too um and also, we don't have a lot of time to just watch, mm. just like binge watch shows with three kids and both of us working. So there wasn't like a whole lot um, that we were trying to devote ourselves to. So unfortunately, I don't really have much to contribute on that end. I can say I saw okay. one episode of Tiger King and I was kind of like, this is a dumpster fire. I, I, I'm good. I don't think I need to watch any more of this. <laughs> I have one that straddles the line. But I think it does so in a brilliant way, and it ended up in my worst category. And then I think it would have it probably if I gave it more thought, it would probably end up in the best, which was Jurassic Park Camp, uh, Camp Cretaceous. I watched was, that. That was hysterical. <laughs> it was an animated DreamWorks CG show that followed a whole bunch of kids that won a contest to go to Isla Isla Sorna, or is it? Yeah. Okay, Jurassic World Island. Yeah, Jurassic World's Island. Um, My ten-year-old's been watching this. It's actually, and it's and it's and it's during the, right before the events of Jurassic World take place. So when everything goes tits up in Jurassic World, the kids are there. And the beginning of it, they are the most one-note obnoxious characters in the universe I've ever seen written. But then all of a sudden, Episode Three happens, and like, oh, they're really multifaceted. They just really start them off in the most unlikable place of for any of them. Like they just great when they speak. It's like that over the top preteen lingo. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just need to get out of this. But I just left it on in the background. And then like this was amazing. Like I really was blown away by the end. Uh, and I didn't feel like it had a right to do that. <laughs> so it was incredibly enjoyable. TJ. Uh, yeah. The first two episodes are like those stereotypical like um the the paw patrol you know mindless not mindless but you know 
aimed for five and below. And then episode three happens and the park and the the events of Jurassic world happen. And it got dark fast. Like very, whoa. Like there were episodes that were darker in that show that I think even in the original Batman, the animated series. Yeah. Like, what that? Yeah. <laughs> like there are points where you're fearing for the kids' lives. Like, more like, so than you do in even the Jurassic Park yeah. franchise films, which was crazy to think about. But really, I, I give them credit for taking that risk. Ben. Uh not to jump backwards for, for too long, but the um the two shows for best that I'm I kind of feel like I'm surprised nobody brought them up just because I know uh, so many people. First one, the, the Animaniacs reboot. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Which came out a couple months ago. But also uh, uh, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. Yes. I, I don't. I'm surprised how we haven't brought that one up because that one is one that not only was so good in its first season that it got renewed for a second season before it even aired. But the quarantine episode that they did was amazing. It was mm. one of the best things I've seen come out of the quarantine. Yeah. I'll be honest. I forgot that. Like we started watching mythic quest this year because this year has been this year <laughs> um, because yeah, that was really high up there for me. Um, it's such a good show. Like it's that always sunny type of humor, but applied to the gaming industry. And yeah. it's fantastic. I mean, and Rob McElhenney, is essentially playing a more douchey version of Mac. It's amazing that he's just, he's able to just elevate that character so much more. It's just how, how can you make Mac from always sunny more of a narcissist move him to Toronto? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, I love it's that such middle a brilliant episode. Show. I love that middle episode that kind of came out of nowhere about the couple that had made the, and then all of a sudden you realize it's the building that they're in is the building that that they started in. But um, man, that, that first quarantine episode, when he shows up at Poppy's door just to give her a hug, I, yeah, I was bawling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's one of those shows. If you haven't given a shot, uh, it's a short season. Highly recommend. If you like the humor of always sunny, definitely check it out. All right, let's move into film because actually there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in this one too, um, which is crazy to think about, Um, especially with a year with most movie theaters not really being open. Uh, So best films of the year. Um, Who would like to get us started? Nobody has anyone? I'm going (laughs) to kick off. I'm going to start off with a Netflix original movie called Old Guard. Uh, starring Charlize Theron. Uh, it was one of the most brilliant action movies I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, it was so incredibly well-written, well-paced, and just incredibly progressive. And it was so nice to see them not turn this into uh, a very cookie-cutter action film. And I was really, truly, truly blown away uh, watching this movie play out. And it was one of those things I think I originally wouldn't have given it a shot. And Kat was like, let's check this out. It looks awesome. And the, the plot line's brilliant. She already watched it once. And then she was like, you have to watch this. And uh, I'm really happy I took the opportunity to do so. It was wonderful. Kat? Can Charlize Theron just be an action hero now? Because she's freaking amazing. And I would watch her in that, like in any, you know, anything like that any day of the week. Uh, I don't know who had their hand up first. Uh, TJ. Um, I was a really big fan of Scoob. 
I don't know if anybody else watched it, but that was a that was a really nice nostalgic treat for the old Hanna Barbera cartoons, and I thought they did a really good job with it. I have yet to check that out, and it looked it, it is looks well super worth precious. It. Okay. I watched it; it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. It's not uh, like it's not going to win an Oscar, okay? It's not going to get on any animation awards, but I had a good time watching it. Uh, ben, uh, I'm going to go with one that I know was highly recommended by both you and Kat, and I ended up loving it. And that's Palm Springs. Uh, Palm Springs with Andy Samberg and Christina uh, Christina Milani and J.K. Simmons was just. It was adorable. It was funny. It was clever. It was so much better than I anticipated it being that it it is honestly probably one of my top three favorite movies of 2020. It was so good. It takes the Groundhog Day formula and kind of twisted it on its head a little bit. It's, yeah, it's kind of brilliant. Uh, Jada. All right. So breaking form for me was actually a Christmas movie. Jingle Jangle. It was adorable. I absolutely, and I'm not a huge cheesy Christmassy movie person. I worked retail for a decade. So um, <laughs> Christmas and me can be really like, can be kind of cringy for me. This movie was incredible. Um, they had some really just, their costuming work was just gorgeous. They incorporated African fabrics and textures and textiles into Victorian era dresses and suits. And the cast was incredibly diverse, mainly focused on people of color. The songs, the dancing, everything about it was just, it was amazing. I think it's actually, it, it might be up there with Elf as like my top two favorite Christmas movies now. Like it was just, it was so good. I I, was, I, I agree with you on that. I was really absolutely blown away with the quality of that film. Like, uh, it, honestly, you're right. The cast, every one of them was exceptional. Every one of the kids. And I want to see so much more from those kids in the future because they were so good. So incredibly mm. good. And honestly, this was like, I think, one of two movies we watched in a couple of weeks where we we remember that Keegan Michael Keek has a killer singing voice. Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. That and prom. Yeah. Yes. Prom was adorable. I absolutely loved that. I still haven't watched that one yet. Oh, it's so, good. so good. So many tears. So, so, so many tears. <laughs> Aaron. I was actually going to say prom as it's on my list. I loved it. And I love at the end when they finally do have the inclusive prom they actually went to kids who had not been able to go to their proms due to the same situation that happened in the movie. And those are the kids that are coming in to have that, to go to that prom, which I thought was amazing. Um, Hamilton. We're going to count because yeah, it technically came out as a movie. <laughs> oh my God. That was this year. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, that's probably one of my favorite moments and memories of this year is Rob sitting in you're in cat's backyard with the screen, watching it on the screen with all of you guys and the fireworks are going off in the background. Um, that was yes. probably <laughs> the most fun. And um, the other one is a, a Netflix uh, original movie, Rebecca, which is one of my favorite stories. Um, Old Victoria, like an old story. It's a woman marries a, a really well-to-do guy. He, she goes back to his home, Manderley. And you know it's Manderley because they say it like 18,000 times in the book. Um, <laughs> and you come to find out that his he had been married before and the housekeeper is still like attached to the wife who had died. And now you start finding out that the wife died maybe under interesting circumstances. And it's a really good movie. And it's... Uh, 
um, Army Hammer and oh, uh, Lily Lily James, the girl from Downton Abbey and Cinderella, and yeah, um, but that is excellent. And uh, Kristen Scott Thomas plays the um, housekeeper, and she's phenomenal. So it was definitely a, a good watch. Uh, before I come back to you, Ben, I want to give Bill and Jess a chance to jump in. Uh, do either of you have anything? I got a couple. Okay, Bill. So uh, Harley Quinn came out this year mm-hmm. in February when we could all see it in the theaters. Yeah, that's true because we saw we it did. in the theaters. We did all yes. see it in the theaters. Um. Gosh. Oh, yeah. And so and then there's two other ones. One I can't really speak on because I didn't see all of it. Uh, and, and that's Soul. But I saw like the last half of it because I was still working and Megan decided to start watching it before I was done working. And then I caught the end. and I'm like, oh, this is really nice. But I need to go back and watch all of it. Um, and then the other one was Onward. Um, yes. Which was really just really well done. Um, I mean, it wasn't like super fantastic great but it was just a solid story all around and the characters were good and what they were doing was fantastic and the fact that they just kind of slyly introduced you know like uh, a same-sex relationship like uh, in, with one of the characters and not even a main character and you know again having the the representation of main characters is important but just on a side character where Yes, this is just part of life, and people just talk about it and go along their way. Um, but yeah, so those two for me. Um, Jess? Other than Hamilton, I legit have not seen any of these this year. I kind of tended towards uh, comfort movies and TV shows that were more engaging. So I am not up to date on any of the current movies, unfortunately. Fair. Uh, I will at least um, back up. Uh, like Jada threw up her hand, too, as far as Soul. I uh, did have an opportunity to watch that the other day. Um, I was very incredibly impressed. Uh, it was it was a really sweet, touching movie. And whenever it, it felt like it was veering into territories to being very depressing, it pulls a rug out from under you. It does something very humorous and slapsticky. And then it goes back to being a good, serious story again. And it was a played a really nice balance and i think it was a really beautifully touching story am i gonna um, ugly cry though like i'm too fragile for that right now uh it's in a good way later. It, it's an ugly cry in a really positive way where it makes you kind of feel good i think there's a moment in a little bit in the beginning where you're gonna be like okay i'm like do i need a break <laughs> it's kind um, of like the good ugly cry you got at the end of coco Although I, I cried a little more at Coco than I did. That's at like a big, ugly cry, Ben. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking like the beginning of Up here. No. no. Or not the end all. of Toy Story 3. Toy we're Story not 3. I, yeah, we're not talking Toy Story 3 or the beginning of Up. Bold. If it's, it's like Toy Story 3 level, I can't no. do that right now. No. no. It's, it's good cathartic <laughs> cry. Like, you'll you'll cry a little bit at it. You'll, they'll, you'll definitely need some tissues. Wear waterproof mascara. But, I mean, for the most part, you're going to really, really enjoy it. Mm. Okay. And there's lots of music in it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, ben, you look like you had uh, something else. I, I have two others. I actually had three. Soul was one of them. So I'm glad we got that one out there. Uh, the other two I'll just make quick mention of are two other movies I really liked this year. Uh, one was Love and Monsters, which I thought was a lot mm. of fun. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and the other one, purely because I'll watch anything that he's in is bad education, 
with Hugh Jackman. I thought that was super well done and it had a great mix of telling a, a real story of something that actually happened and mixing the drama and even throwing in some humor to kind of keep you interested. And he's he's phenomenal in the movie. Allison Janney is amazing in yep. that, too. Yeah, she's just as good. So is um, uh, oh, it's not it's not David Schwimmer. It's um, everybody loves Raymond. Um, Ray Romano. Ray Romano. Yeah, even Ray Romano was good in that movie as well. Every the entire cast is is phenomenal. I literally walked out. So I watched a movie by myself and TJ was in the living room. And then after you watch a movie and then they give you like, this is what really happened and, mm -hmm. and what happened to him at the end. I walked out to my husband and I was like, you would not fucking believe this. So yes, everyone should watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, TJ. I don't know if this one will count for a movie, uh, but they did the West Wing uh, special this year, uh, which was a stage play of one of their prior episodes and I thought it went fantastically. I thought it was a great return to that and it was really well done. Yeah. And and I feel like if you if you count that, you also have to count the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion because that was also really well done. All right. Um let's get into worst because we're only 2 points in. It's almost been an hour. TJ. Uh I'm going to go with uh I didn't actually see this. I watched the first 5 minutes and went I'm out but do little. I was just going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> there was another one. Hold on. Come back to me. I, I got to find it again. It was also in January or early February. Yeah, it was January. Um, no, the, this other one. Oh, I didn't. I haven't watched it, but possibly for worst for everything surrounding it. Sonic the Hedgehog. It's it's surprisingly a lot better than you would expect. OK, okay. Actually, I really enjoyed it. that one. And there were definitely some enjoyable parts of it. Of it. Um, I mean, of course, like we have a 10 year old son, so he is like the target age group mm -hmm. for that. But there were some cute, enjoyable moments to that. Um, I didn't love it as much as, you know, obviously my 10 year old, but <laughs> <laughs> there were some aspects of it that I even, that I found entertaining. And there were some aspects that I was like, no, that's kind of obnoxious. But Jim Carrey did a really good comedic role as um, the, you know, the big bad guy. I can't remember the name at the moment. Eggman, Robotnik. What are they calling Robotnik, him? Yeah. It's it was Robotnik, good to see him yeah. kind of return to the comedic roles. So it, was, it wasn't as terrible as I wanted, as I thought it was going to be, but uh, yeah. That's good. Um, I'll, I'll pull back that worst. TJ, you looked like you right. had something for worst yeah. buildings. Yeah, worst. The other two, I forgot. Uh, the, I, Artemis Fowl and New Mutants. I can't speak for either of them, but yep, sure. Me neither. <laughs> Again, five minutes of each and went, nope, I'm good. Uh, Jada. So I, I hate to say this because I am such a huge fan of the franchise but i was really not impressed with wonder woman 84 so my like, list i i wanted to love it i really did and there were some aspects of it that i really did think were pretty good but then there were some aspects of it that i was just like this is too much and i think they should have split the the some of the plot line and actually maybe done like two movies of it instead of trying to put it was like it was like 50 pounds of shit in like a 10 pound bag in a lot of ways like there was it was too much with the two different storylines going on. And I thought they could have streamlined it a little bit better if they had just focused on one. 
I know we're uh, still in spoiler territory, so I'm not saying I, I, it. That's, that's why I actually had a quick question about that. Is Has everybody here seen Wonder Woman 84? Yes. Not everybody has seen it. Jess has not. No, not yet, but that's okay. You guys can talk about it. No, I mean, I, again, I'm not giving away anything. And I, and again, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. The first one is ranks up there with like some of my all-time favorite superhero movies. Um, but it just, it didn't, it didn't grab me the way the first one did. And I, 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 it just fell apart for me. I, I've, I've seen some really polarizing things about the movie. I've had a lot of people say that, uh, especially if you grew up watching um, the Linda Carter TV show, there's mm-hmm. a lot of DNA between the two that feels very similar in scope and structure. Um, especially if you were somebody that grew up with it versus like watched it in your twenties, you know, like 10, you know, 10, 20 years ago, or like in your teen years. And you were like, Oh, I finally remember this. It's kind of like somebody saying, Hey, check out the John Wesley ship uh, flash show. Now it doesn't yeah. hold up great. Now, if you're not used to watching it, like it's kind of painful to watch. You grew up with it when it was originally on the air. You're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, um, it, it's but I mean, I've heard a lot of people kind of equate. If you grew up with it, you walk away from it very much in the vein of um, it feeling kind of like it's part of like the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeves realm. But I, I agree with you, though, Jada. I do feel like, you know, the first movie it felt like it had something to say. This movie felt like it didn't have anything to prove. Uh, and it felt like it tried to give it weight for no reason in areas, and it tried to do a lot of things that didn't need to. It didn't need to do like they made a big deal of it being in the eighties. There was no reason that entire movie had to be in the eighties at all. They did nothing with it. It was it. It felt like it was a just weird a bit of nostalgia, in my opinion. It was, and it not even like they didn't even do good nostalgia with it, which was the disappointing thing. It was just kind of like apparently Diana has Paris Paris fashion. From the 80s and that was about it and somebody wears a members only jacket that was about it <laughs> i have yeah. to disagree with that i think it actually had to have been put in the 80s because if sh- if it had been any later wonder woman wouldn't have been able to be a secret you put it you put it any later in the 90s or the, th- the 2000s people have um you know, cameras video cameras on hand and stuff like that their phones but she made a very pointed you know, moment of taking her tiara off and hitting the the cameras. So I think if it was anywhere other than the eighties, then you know, and also that that there was this very poignant part of of that excess in the eighties, especially with um, Max Lord, and I don't think that would have worked outside of the eighties. I I get what Rob is saying though. I mean, when you look at comparisons like Wonder Woman to Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel made the 80s a character in itself in the film. But I mean, but you get what I'm saying. Like Captain Marvel made the 90s a character in the film, whereas Wonder Woman didn't do anything with the 80s. There was no 80s music. There were no 80s references other than fashion, like Rob said. So, I mean, there was that, I, in, I, a par- there was that in a party scene and then like a light passing mention of the Cold War. It was that was yeah. really what we got. Um, and for to kind of piggyback on what Jade is saying is it's a movie that felt very, very bloated. Um, and I think it was a little kind of how was, the eighties were. So yeah. maybe they did that on purpose, but like, I just, I wanted to love it. I really, really did. But there was just a lot of it that I was kind of like, ah, just, no, it just didn't, it didn't really grab me the way the first yeah. one did. TJ, Aaron, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so first I, I got to disagree with you, Ben. 
to me, Captain Marvel being set in the 90s was, hey, look, it's the 90s. We can show a blockbuster now. I thought there was no reason for it. They could have set it in the 2000s, and the only thing that would have changed was they couldn't show a blockbuster. Um, they, um, as for Wonder Woman, I had fun. Was it the best movie of the year? No, but I, you know, was it, it was better than Man of Steel. Uh, and I'm That's a huge, not saying much. yes, but I, you know me, I'll watch anything. If you put Superman symbol on it, I'm going to watch it five times. Uh, <laughs> Um, this man doesn't own any DVDs. This man yeah. owns a Man of Steel DVD. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. So for me, like it was fun. Were there part? Were there things that I think they could have done better? Absolutely. Um, but I thought it was a fun time. And after uh, this year, it was a lot more upbeat than I, you know. It was nice to have something upbeat at the end. That was just a, you know, I'm going to beat up the bad guy. And I've got to give it credit for a third act fight with the main villain. That was just her talking. And that's what the last movie should have been. And I'm glad they were able to do it this time. Fair. Um, Bill. So we continued the trend this year of uh, video game movies that should not have been made. Uh, Monster Hunter being the one that I'm thinking of, whereas it's again that I don't know if these production companies are actually thinking of, okay, let's talk to the, the people who've designed this game and talked about the story of this game and actually make it in a cohesive plot. That would make sense uh, instead of just saying, okay, it's a video game. It can be all action. And it just doesn't, it well, doesn't work. It, it's, it's not that, Bill. It's the fact that this is a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. And he's like, hey, I need to I need to bring in money and my wife needs to star in a movie again. Uh, and that's really what it is. It is he he makes. He's it's like, only, well, it's only one step up from Yui Bowl. It, it's not far. It's and not far. No, <laughs> there's a reason he, he and Mila Jovovich were not brought back in for the reboot of Resident Evil. Oh. Um, you know, <laughs> It's a, uh, yeah, I, I have not heard kind things. Yeah. Um, any other honorable mentions or worst movies for our roster for the year? No. Nope. Uh, Christmas right, Chronicles yeah. too. It's just, I, I, I love Kurt Russell in that role. Like he's a fantastic Santa Claus. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Wait, were you nominating that for best? No, that's that, that was for best. That was for best. Okay. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I was like I got I got frightened for it, a minute. It was my last yeah. minute. Last minute I forgot to put it in the best. And you know what's the the only unfortunate thing about that of him playing Santa is I think he's come out and said that is the last role he will ever play. Like he'll keep playing Santa as long as they want him to, but he's pretty much retired from playing anything he's, else. He's getting old. I'm okay with this. I am he's too. I'm, I'm okay with it too. Uh, moving into gaming, this will be a shorter conversation. Um, uh, obviously, probably board gaming is not going to take place in this conversation. <laughs> one bit. Um, I have a board game, I have a board game, I totally have a board game. I know the one to go ahead and get it out. 
I got it for Christmas. I got the new Haunted Mansion board game and I love it. And it's absolutely like beautiful. The, the design and the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous. And TJ gave this to me and he's like, I don't know what it's the play is like, but it's Haunted Mansion and it's for you. And so we <laughs> that's played- made by Funko, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, and so we played it and the actual gameplay is a lot of fun and very strategic and just it's yeah, it's a good time. So it yeah. is better than I thought it was going to be. That's fantastic. <laughs> I look forward to checking it out. I heard the good things about the Hocus Pocus game, too, from them. So that's cool. Um, Jess. Yes, I'm ready for this one. Um, <laughs> we actually did play some good board games this year. We were looking into two player board games and we found some. Mike and I have recently started playing Clank Legacy, and um, it's super fun. I really very much recommend it. It's like you're, it's like a D&D campaign running around, and it's it's Acquisitions Incorporated, so the flavor mm. text is, is really funny. Um, I am not a gamer, so I will let you guys discuss those things, but I will say that I played a ridiculous amount of Animal Crossing during quarantine. Um, very much so. And unfortunately, my my island's probably a disaster now because I haven't looked at it in months. <laughs> and I feel so bad for my poor little residents. But I was hardcore playing Animal Crossing for a, a large chunk of the year. And that was like one of my happy places to go and to just tend to my little island with my little animal friends. So that was one of the best ones for me. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to actually jump to Jada next. Um so I don't have a lot to say about this one because I'm not a huge gamer, but my kids and my husband have absolutely loved Among Us. Um, just for sheer just giggles and fun. Um, like I play it a little bit, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge video game person, but like my kids were like, obsessed with it. Um, my daughter says they play it during Zoom breaks at school and it's just, it's super fun. You know, like they're, it's changing the lingo there. I was like, mom's acting sus and stuff. So it's really cute. Like they, they really get into it. Um, my son was an Among Us character for Halloween this year. Um, they play even outside if they're playing socially distant with friends, they'll play Among Us like in real life. And it's super cute. I'm like, you're talking about murdering your friends, but it's adorable. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a really fun game that they've all kind of, they really embraced. It's, it's fun for me to just even just watch it, watch them it's, play it's- it's a great entry entry point into LARPing for them. So, I'm going to jump in real quick before Ben and TJ, uh, because I know at least TJ or probably Bill will get in on this one as well. Uh, I'm going to say Hades. I knew you were uh, going to say that one. Hades is one of the best roguelikes I've ever played in my life, and I'm playing currently on Nintendo Switch. It's also available on PC. Um, it is such a wonderfully brilliantly written read like twist on some like like any original story with on with greek mythology and it's so just incredibly awesome and it is one of those games that when you start a run you're like okay i'm gonna go into this i'm probably gonna die i've been it'll been like should i turn on god mode and i'm like and i keep refusing to because i just want to do it on my own and i'm like i think on exit attempt like 22 uh, and my attempts are getting longer and longer. I'm getting to Hades almost every time and just missing out in the last couple hits. But it's it's one of those things that when I have a little bit of time to game, that's been what I've been going to. And it, it's it, that's a game that makes me just feel awesome. Bill? I'll throw it out there that that is one of two games that this year where <laughs> I have clocked 100 plus hours on. Um, 
and I'll save my other one for when it comes back to me. <laughs> Jada, you just a quick interject or um, just a quick interject. One that a game like a card game that we've been really enjoying is the Marvel Champions card game, um, where you get to play as like your hero or your alter ego and beat up bad guys. And it's a great co-op game. Uh, we've been playing. We've been able to play with like our oldest, and just and even like if we have friends who have the game, we can do a Zoom session with it. Um, it's a fun, just cooperative game where you're literally just trying to beat up a bad guy as the Avengers. Um, TJ, you looked like you were ready to go. Well, one of mine was Hades, so thanks for stealing that. No, um, but the other one, uh, I'm going to run with the new Dungeons and Dragons book, Pasha's Guide to Everything or Cauldron of Everything. Um, it actually brought a lot to Dungeons and Dragons as a game, and also it it didn't fix everything in terms of the inherent problems, but they definitely took steps in the right direction by the uh, orcs are no longer a default evil uh, evil race. Same with goblins. Same with drow. Um, they've definitely at least started the process of making it a little bit more inclusive towards everybody. So I'll throw that out there. Awesome. Um, Ben. Uh, so I have two um, that I'll make quick mention of, uh, but just like you, I, um, I also visited my island for the first time the other day for like the first time since <laughs> before Thanksgiving and the amount of weeds I had to clean up was ridiculous. Um, but the two games I have Rob is one. I know that you love as well. That's Tony, uh, Tony Hawk pro skater one and two. Um, but the other one I know Rob, I think you're the only other person in this group that has access to it. A game I've really grown to love is bug snacks for PlayStation five. Um, I, I, I've I've grown to love it. I it's it took a little getting into, and it can be monotonous at times. But I just think it's still a fun game to play. Uh, I actually haven't played it, but um, okay, it's been sitting on my hard drive on my PS5. Uh, but I will say there's another side thing that came came with everybody's PS5s, and it was the game I played the most on my PS5, <laughs> which was Astrobot. Yes, um, Astrobot was one of the greatest love letters to PlayStation gaming across its, you know, what is it, 25 years was this past year. Uh, it's 25 year history, and it was such a did such a beautiful job of being silly and goofy, and really just nodding to every creator that had their hands, whether it was somebody that was a first party studio or like the major third party titles that have existed since PlayStation One, and they they really honored them in a really fun and beautiful way. But at the same time, though, too, it was like this is why you have your PS Five. Like the fact that it said, hey, look, this is this controller is going to do things you don't expect it to be able to do. And it added a new level of immersion. It's the first time I felt that immersed in playing a, a game since probably I think the N64 introducing a true analog stick or the rumble pack. And I haven't felt that since I was a kid back then. And it was really cool to see that again of uh, it feeling like they kind of looked at what makes Nintendo Nintendo. And they out Nintendo Nintendo for the first time in a while, which was cool to see. Uh, yep. Jess. Oh. Yeah, just to go off of what you were saying, I thought it was really cute. It was super indulgent, but I thought that it was 
really adorable and just really immersed you in the new things that the PlayStation 5 can do. And like right off the bat, hit the ground running with some of those new features and and the way that they've made it better over the years. So I thought it was cute. I think the other fun thing about that game too that that always added a new element to it was uh, logging on to my PlayStation and seeing notifications that you beat me in a speed run that I had worked so hard to get a top record on. And then all of a sudden I, I come back and find out like, nope, Rob beat me, beat my record. Now I got to work at it again. I, I had fun beating. I think there's one that you hold. Is there the still eight. one that I hold? Okay. One that you hold out of the eight. So <laughs> I, I, I had fun. I had fun taking them from, uh, from you guys. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a great thing to be able to hit a button and just dive in and not have to wait. And it was yeah. just, you just went. So, uh, so quick worst of, we'll make this very quick. Cause, um, oh, wait, wait, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't even get to say any best games. Um, tabletop simulator has actually provided an outlet for board gaming in our quarantine times, as well as a good space if people want to play RPGs, uh, in addition to things like Roll20 and Foundry. Um, talking about the two games, obviously, that I one being Hades that I clocked over 100 hours on, the other being Satisfactory, which is like a first-person factorio where you're just building a factory and trying to mine materials and make parts to make a big, giant spaceship. Or a space elevator. So, and then it's weird because I want to mention this one because it's not on the best list and it's not going to be on the worst list. And that's Cyberpunk 2077. I'm, I'm still enjoying it, even though I still have to crash and it still crashes from time to time. I'm enjoying playing it. I would put that in my worst. Uh, <laughs> purely just to the fact that like when you struggle to find time to game, especially as a new parent, and you... We're like, hey, I have an hour and you have five hard crashes of your console in that hour and you lose that entire time. And that time is precious. I'm sorry. Like when you're a when you're a studio and you put it in embargo out that you wouldn't show any console versions at all, did not allow anybody to talk about it, let alone play it until the day it came out. Uh, I'm sorry. That's that was some really dirty moves by a publisher. Um especially with what came out and then what they did after the fact. Uh, the fact that they're like, hey, you can just talk to Microsoft or you can talk to uh, Sony and get your money back. They never proved that with either of them. They basically passed the buck to the point that it was the first time I've seen in 20, you know, again, in since there's been digital storefronts, like on the console space, I know it's happened in PC, but a major company like Sony said, the game is not available to purchase at all if you want to buy it through us. They removed it. Unless that copy existed on a storefront at like a Target or a Walmart or a Best Buy, you can't buy it. It was, it, it is not, it does, I mean, for a major console manufacturer to pull that, that should scare publishers and say, you can't do this anymore. Uh, and I think it very much deserves a space on the worst list. The game itself, when it plays, is engaging minus the problems that it has where it falls like in a five out of a 10 or whatever. And as they fix it, cool. Yeah. But I mean, honestly though, like it was, I mean, like you even sent us a post of like brand new hardcore cards that came out the 39. Yeah. $1,500 graphic card. Oh yeah. It's it not going to be able to run it. It can't run it. I'm like, why are you spending $1,500 on a graphics card? If it can't even run a game. 
It doesn't make any sense. And it's just, I think CD Projekt Red burned, burned a lot of goodwill that they gained from The Witcher 3. Uh, and I think it's going to stick with it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, other worst ofs. Uh, NVIDIA bungling their RTX launch and, and line of cards. Just not having any kind of supply to meet the demand of the the masses. Not releasing the cards to third-party you know, manufacturers to be able to make the the actual cards you know you can only get the card basically from nvidia right now and you know people scalping them for twice or even you know three times the price online which is just ridiculous it's already a 400 hundred dollar video card i'm not going to pay 1200 dollars for it yeah tj marvel's avengers i didn't i'll be honest i didn't play it but nobody likes it and it's just monetizing things left and right. Yeah. I own it. I have yet to play it. I it, uh, I have a couple of friends who played it. They were in for it for the first month, and then they were like, "Yeah, it got boring." And I only own it because I got it for nine ninety nine. Any last mentions on gaming? Books. Cats back for books. <laughs> And I'm pretty um, much out for books. <laughs> oh, I've got stuff to talk about in the worst books. It's oh, fine. I know one of the I know I one of your two. worst books. I got two. Yeah. Uh, I think one, one of yours and mine's worst is probably gonna be the same, Rob. So yeah, I think so. Cat. Uh, mine's also the same, yeah. Oh, crazy. Cat, <laughs> have uh, books are what kept me afloat this year. <laughs> but no, I mean I mostly read um like, I just dove straight into romance series this year because I know a happy ever after. Like, I've been trying to read um, N.K. Jemison's one fantasy series, and it's beautifully oh. written, but it's so bleak. And I just, like, I tr- I can't this year. I'm like, no, I'm going to stick with, like, my happily ever after stuff. Um, a lot of them, I've been reading a couple authors, like Anita Sunday and um, – Jay Hogan are all set in New Zealand. So I really want to go to New Zealand now. It's not going to happen for a very, very long time, but they're really adorable queer romance series and, you know, set in New Zealand, which. Yay. Oh, send me those names. I want to read those. They're really fun. Um, But it's just been nice to like dive into distractions like that, where it's sweet stories and, you know, I mean, like, Things in pre-COVID times and stuff like that. But yeah, um, that's best of books for me. Uh, Jess. Yeah, I went kind of, I did not hit my reading goal and I'm really mad about it, you guys. Um, I've been trying to hit 55 books every year for the past like three or four years. And I think I'm going to end the year at like 48. Um, But that being said, I read a whole bunch of manuscripts this year, so I'm going to count them and say that I hit that number anyway. Those uh, absolutely count. I just can't put them on Goodreads because they're like not out yet. So, mm. but um, <laughs> two of the best books that I read, one of them was a sequel. It was, uh, have you read Gideon the Ninth, Cat? I have just started I it. I haven't, okay. but I want to. Gideon the Ninth is the most batshit crazy book I've ever read in my life. And I loved it. I had no idea what was happening the entire time, but I loved it. I've heard um, amazing things about that. Let's be a necromancers in space, Jada. Yes. 
Yes, right? um, definitely. I, read it. <laughs> I, I'm about halfway through the very first book called uh, Hair of the Ninth. Harrowing, or, no, yeah. Gideon the Ninth. Gideon, oh, Gideon the Ninth. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, Gideon the Ninth. And even the beginning of it, it, it's... I didn't know anything about the book, Jada, at all. Like, not even that little brief, like, you know, um, you know, descriptor that Jess gave. And I didn't <laughs> expect that I was about to walk into a sci-fi book. Because it starts reading, and I had no idea I was about to walk into that. And I thought, oh, it's a fantasy book. And I'm like, wait, are they in space? What is going on? And yeah, I'm like, I told him it was like I because I had been hearing from friends that like and some of my author friends, too, that it's just like super crazy. It has like all sorts of like niche references to memes and stuff and like all sorts of crazy things woven into everything. It's it sounds fantastic. So far, I think I'm like maybe about 100 pages in as far as what it breaks down to. It's thoroughly enjoyable. I needed a break because I just didn't have brain capacity to try to absorb a new sci-fi world at the time I, I started it. But I kept forcing myself along the path because it was so interesting. And the characters themselves are just fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, like thoroughly, I think I think I'm gonna probably like hit the brakes and start from the beginning again because I'm in the headspace now to dive into it because I just thoroughly think it's that amazing. Let um, me know when you start reading Harrow because, oh my God, I've <laughs> never read anything like it. I, I've heard from multiple people that Harrow in the Ninth is basically like reading an entire book and then you have no idea what's happening until the final chapter and you're like, what the fuck? Legitimately. Like, yes, I have never enjoyed not knowing what's going on so much. <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited to be able to dive into it. Um, I've, For me, I've got three nonfiction books that I've been, I've read throughout the course of the year um, that I thoroughly have just truly loved. Um, one of them is called Haunted Mansion Imagineering Edition, Disney classic by Jason Sorrell. It came out in 2015, which is this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant deep dive. And it's actually a full on like book from the Imagineers about everything that went into the creation of the Haunted Mansion, which is, so my cup of tea, and I love that so much because that was a big part of my, like, you know, um, September and October was converting one of our rooms into kind of like this weird haunted mansion shrine because sure, why not? Um, but I, it, it was a, it was a book that Kat got me um, for my birthday, and I just, just absolutely just absorbed it like crazy. Um, in addition to that as well, um, I, there was a book that came out really late last year by Joe Alves that was called Designing Jaws, which was actually Joe Alves was the creator that actually made Bruce the animatronic. Um, and they actually talk in great detail about the nightmare that that really created for them behind the scenes, like more so than I've ever seen or heard. But then it even had like detailed sketches from him as the designer of the shark. I'm like, this is what we did. And here's his actual original drawings from like the, the mid seventies. It's like, in this little thing that we built right here, this is what caused it to break every day. And like little things like that, but like crazy production stills that I just never have existed anywhere before this book. Like it was shots that him and like Carl Gottlieb, who's the writer of the movie, took on Marsh like on Martha's Vineyard and all compiled it in this book. Uh, and it was so just incredible to read. Um, and truly, truly enjoyed it. And then because of reading that, it made me go back to my love of theme parks, which I know we've mentioned on the show, and Aaron and I have geeked in the past about. But um, there is um a uh Jaws the Ride book that is the discussion of 
everything that also went horrible in Jaws the Ride when they built it in the early 90s to the recreation of it, all told by the people that were the skippers on the boats uh, for the most part, and then the designers that got fired. Uh, so like, you get this really brilliant perspective of it, including the one skipper that broke the original version permanently. Uh, she who she gives her full reaccountment of what happened and why it was down and for down for two years. So just a really just fun like weird set of books that uh, for me that like I really got hooked to. I think if um, uh, I honestly I will say when and I'm hoping that when one of the books Cat just wrote wrote this year when that finds a home that would uh, there was one from her that was uh, her Chesapeake books. Uh, that was the start of that series. That was truly one of my favorite reads this year, hands down. Um, just a really cute male male romance book that I just absolutely fell in love with. So, also, Cat, legitimately, your second Rehoboth book was like just such a cozy book this year, and was Yay. one of my favorites to read. So I'm really excited. Really hope that one gets out. I've been telling my friends about it too. I'm like, Yay. you need to read this series when it comes out. You're gonna love it. So yeah, the first one comes out in March. It's a it's a quarantine romance, but it's not bleak. Because the quarantine lasts a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's fixed. <laughs> so it's a so, fantasy book, too. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also read a really good, um, and this was a self-published book. It's someone that I followed on Tumblr for a while. And it's a really good polyamorous uh, vampire, witch, werewolf book. I'll send you the link. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Yes, I will send it to you. You guys can order physical copies, but ebook's probably the easiest. Um, she had edited romance for a really long time and eventually yep. ultimately self-published this year. So that's, that's called um Hunger Pangs, and it's very good. I'm very excited for Honestly, that. with queer romance and poly romance and things like that, self-pub tends to be the way to go because publishers have so many stipulations on yep. what they'll accept. And for real. It's so politicky. <laughs> and this is really done with like a very imp- like very good eye for issues of consent and there is um one of the main characters is disabled he he is deaf in his one ear like it's just it's really well awesome yeah i will send you guys the link to that one that was one of my top of the year and i only read it within the last like month nice yeah um other people as far as thoughts for best book of the year haven't read anything i haven't even i have been so bad about books i haven't even gotten on to the new dresden files books yet oh you're gonna oh, probably want to plug your uh, ears in a moment uh, yeah, yeah. That's, i will segue, i think okay yeah that is a good segue all right so <laughs> worst books of the year twilight midnight sun i read the entire 700 page thing it was garbage <laughs> This is coming from someone I literally watched Twilight today for fun, you guys. Like, I don't have a problem with the series as a whole. Yeah. The book did not need to exist. It was like 300 pages too long. And Edward Cullen is literally the least likable character of the entire thing. So why did we want a book from his point of view? Yeah, that makes no sense. Oh, can we put them up against um, the protagonist of one of the books I attempted to read this year? <laughs> which because I, I guarantee that you, had you to return the one that I actually had to return, and I guarantee Edward Cullen versus Wade Watts from Ready Player Two, <gasps> easily oh, yeah. probably one of the best knockdown drag out fights for worst protag or worst protagonist ever. I haven't yeah. read because let me tell you, 
Just I, don't. I can tell you straight off the bat from because Kat didn't even Cat didn't read a single page of this. She no, I just along, read like bits on Twitter and I was like, oh, blurbs. I saw those too. No. Oh, yes. And, and I'm I'm a bit confused by that, too, because I know a number of people who actually finished the book like they pushed through it and they said yeah. the same thing. They said the first third of that book is like is gives you a sense of dread that the book is going to be awful. But by the time you get through that, the book is actually really well done. See, but um, I saw stuff at the way like so I saw snippets of what happens at the end. And so I, I think seen that I think the. The things that happen, it's you know what, it's the same thing. I haven't read Ready Player Two, and I haven't read Battleground, and I have very strong opinions because of content, not mm-hmm. <laughs> from reading it. Okay, but just so, content alone. From like, and it's very rare for me to return a book that I purchase, regardless. Did like, you were you listening to the audiobook or were you physically reading the? So this was audio, like the Will Wheaton audio book. Okay, correct. And I love Will Wheaton when he has done narration for anything. I loved his read for Ready Player One. I loved, um, I have like two or three different other books from him, but like one of my other favorites was like, he's the narrator on John Scalzi's Red Shirts as well, which is so incredibly fitting being essentially a Star Trek fanfic. Um, and it's, it. but I have like, I, I, I don't know how many people here who have read Ernest Klein's second book, Being Armada. Armana is unabashedly him just saying, hey, I just wrote the script down to The Last Starfighter as I watched the movie The Last Starfighter and just changed the names without doing any legwork whatsoever. It was such shitty, lazy writing. And I'm like, and that's when what, that's the issue I had with Ready Player One, though, too. I mean, I thought the story was engaging enough for me to follow with, but the writing was. And that's okay because, like, even like, honestly, you sometimes will give somebody a pass, especially because that was his very first book he's ever Absolutely. ever wrote. Um, and he was somebody that was a screenwriter, uh, Ernest Klein. Like, he was somebody that was responsible for writing Fanboys, uh, which is uh, a movie I know a lot of us loved as far as indie films, especially for love of Star Wars. Uh, and when he came to Ready Player One, we're like, you know, okay, this is still ultimately a white male nerd fantasy book but ultimately at the grand scheme of things though too it also taps into for a lot of us kind of like the feel of love of why we had for movies like monster squad and goonies and things like that which unfortunately going back and looking at them as adults is also still now just young male nerd power fantasies same problem but if he knew the audience he was writing it to and I can look at that first book and say here's all the problems with that book that's fine I understand it but I still enjoy it for what it is just I just don't look really deep under the surface when I look at that book. I expect when you have a book that's written almost like, what, 10, 15 years ago, that yeah. you can grow as a writer, um, not only from what is happening culturally in our, our world, especially in the last 10 years more so than any. Um, but he opened this book. And when you start to get like 80 pages into a book and say, This person knows nothing about the world we actually live in now, like let alone him attempting to write about the future. Like when you have a main character that's like, hey, because everybody here, I'm sure, is at least has seen Ready Player One is the movie or has read the book or whatever. But like, you know, they all win all of Halliday's money. And now they're like, hey, the four of us split the prize money. Go us. Now we owned the biggest corporation in the world. And they're like, there's only two or three corporations left. And we can't wait for us to be the only one. And then they're like, 
hey, everybody, all the Gunters are now treating us like assholes and posers because we have all of this money. And then he Wade discusses that he hated being having that called about him. So he used his unlimited power of the Oasis to go into people's accounts and get them banned. Like he's a piece of shit character. Then yeah. him and Artemis the break up in the first. Thing. Yeah, he breaks up. Him and Artemis break up because he's a shitty person to Artemis in the beginning of the book. Then he chooses to cyberstalk her like crazy for the beginning of the book. Later on, he finds out that there's this there's a girl that is really just in love with him and is his biggest fan. He hacks her medical records, finds out he's trans, and he's like, "It's cool. The old me wouldn't have a problem with would have a problem with this, but the new me, I'm fine with it." And it's like Ernest Klein being like, "Look at how woke I am," but does missing the mark across the board. Not to mention how even the book ends, and even the sheer level of consent violations that that brings at the end of that book um, is disgusting. Not only really that, gross. but the final chapter, there is literally a whole sequence page of Wade mansplaining like hardcore to Artemis like in, in a brutal way because that's like one of the big catalysts of where their relationship as characters starts in the book and basically her being like you guys are assholes and you do realize this and he's like let me tell you how we're not assholes he's like and it's like literally a line that's going along the lines of like I'm not going to say I'm uh, you're wrong. like I told you so but I told you so and it was like what the fuck it was everything about this book. Like the best way I can put it is there's the sequence in Ready Player One where Wade has none of his friends left. He's in the hotel by himself and he is in that horrible place in his life. Imagine having to read the entire first third of that book in that exact perspective because that's who Wade is during that entire first third. And it's just unenjoyable on every avenue to read. Then start adding all those layers to it. It was God awful. Um, it was, it was just, it was a mess. It was such a terrible book. I mean, it was entertaining to watch the Twitter, like, you know, uh, takedown of it, but then they got pinged by, um, Ernest Klein because he was pissy that people had a negative opinion on his book. Uh, the publisher and Ernest Klein sent DMC strikes against everybody that was posting pages of the book. Really, though, shame on the publisher, because it sounds yeah. like he had an editor yeah. who wouldn't tell him no. It just sounds like really poor editing, like an editor who should have been an editing place too. sometimes yeah. you don't get that choice. So no, say you are a you're an editor that's stuck between two old white men, because I've been there yeah. where the publisher is an old white man and the author is an old white man. You can argue all you want and they're going to be like, no, just do it. Yeah, it's it's a really like when you have to deal with the politics of like being in that, like because I've been there and it's like, really, guys, like I have to just kind of take like micro wins where I can. Hey, let's maybe not like, you know, use this racist term. okay? because the publisher's not going to call you on it because he doesn't care. And (laughs) I kind of just have to stealth it in. Yeah. No, because the publisher wanted to make money off of him. And it yes, was 100%. So it really, like, I mean, it didn't matter what he put out as long as it had the name Ready Player something on it. Mm-hmm. And that's all they cared about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huge problem with it. Um, and I, from learning more about who that author is as a person, <laughs> and I'm not you even. You mean I'm, that horrifying poem? I, I'm not going to even bring it up here. Like, okay. because I, I think it's 
But if you want to find out and more about who Ernest Klein is as a person, if you want to figure out if you want to support him as a writer, uh, I, I just recommend doing a Google search for Ernest Klein poem um, that he is the author of. And if you don't see what's wrong with that and then can't look at his works to realize the issues there, um, you may want to look at yourself in the mirror or take a, just take a quick break and, and reassess your life a little bit. So, uh, yes, yeah, definitely very problematic. All right, Jess, you just want to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off on this one because, uh, and uh, to, to preface this in, in this conversation, there's a couple people here, like I know Jada and Ben don't have knowledge of Dresden. Uh, so like, you know, I know Jada has played in a Dresden Files RPG with us, you know, so she's she's familiar with the universe, but not uh, the story continuity as a whole. So I don't want to go too, too long in into this. So just uh, out of out of respect for the people that aren't part of the conversation. Um, and I love that even though we're doing this on Zoom, as I'm talking, everybody's trying to get Kat to break, which I love <laughs> because it's like being around the table and I'm like, fucking children. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, it's just, it's what we, <laughs> TJ, oh my goodness. We will always be a herd of cats and you will always be trying to Always, 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 always. Welcome to my D&D games. I, I'm, I'm used to doing this with six people. So the fact that we're doing it with, with eight makes it dramatically, it, it's a lot more fun, honestly. Um, but I think it's also though easier for us to get kind of stuck into a, a specific. So, um, and I think normally because our, our shows are a lot more traditionally like has a formula of like, here's what we're going to discuss. And tonight's kind of like, boom, everybody do this. And if you're kind of like a person that's not involved in one of the topic points, you're like, well, I'm just going to sit here for a few minutes. So um, just again, because that that's what this show is for our year end. Uh, when we get into new episodes in 2021, we'll be back in the traditional kind of format, um, we'll, single topic episode like usual. And hey, surprise, surprise, this turned into a single topic episode. So, um, uh, and hey, we, we may have another like six hour single topic opus like we did a couple months ago. But I will say though, still to, to this day, those were my two favorite episodes we have ever, ever done. And it was with this core of people. So it was, uh, I'm really looking forward to to many more deep, engaging conversations like we had over the summer um, into the new year. But okay, Jess, rip off the Band-Aid on... Dresden Files, because I guess we have to little talk a little bit about Peace Talks and a little bit about Battlegrounds. So Yeah, so Peace Talks, I thought, was good. Because, I mean, they both came out, wait. This year. My sense of this time year. is skewed because I read Peace Talks end of last year. They both but came out this year, came out though. until April, right? And then um, I read Battlegrounds around April-ish, and it did not come out until September. So that is where we're at with those. Um Peace Talks, I thought, was great. Peace Talks was your your typical Dresden nonstop action. It did feel a little slower because it was setting up, I believe, for what would be Battleground. It was laying all of the groundwork for that. And I was so ready, so ready for Battleground to come in and just completely blow me away and be this, this amazing thing. And, yeah, it... Mm -hmm unfortunately fell short of the mark for a few reasons a few reasons uh i mean i would say first reason alone was you had a single book where a publisher stepped in and said this is far too long uh maybe you should turn this into two separate books uh and added for a little bit of bloat in peace talks but more so that bloat existed in battleground um I peace think so talks too. 
peace talks i feel like you maybe we saw characters added into peace talks that weren't going to be there like side characters like river shoulders that has always been in side stories like working the working for bigfoot trilogy uh but i was really happy be probably because of those reasons that that character was introduced and dressed in proper because he's such a great character um but then you and you saw subplots created in peace talks that just went poof and disappeared completely you had a major thing that was a thoroughfare through all of peace talks that completely went away completely in battlegrounds with the conjuritis that Harry had, which was a wizard cold essentially that goes haywire uh, in part one of this two part book. Uh, and it is completely dropped like a bag of rocks. Um, and it could have made for some of the most entertaining moments in that second book. And it was really weird to see it just go boom. Um, and we haven't even touched the big thing yet. And then, Kat, you, you have your hand up and ready and waiting. So <laughs> To touch the big thing. Yeah. Um, well, so I remember, because I read Peace Talks and I enjoyed it. And we were talking afterwards. And, you know, it was very clear that Battleground, there was going to be like a major character death. Didn't know who it was, whatever. The one thing I said is if it is this one character, I'm done. Like, yeah. I will not continue. because. Butcher has been criticized for years with the way he writes his female character. It's been a steady critique. He And here's the thing. When he started writing Dresden, it was a long time ago. Everyone has room to change. And when I read his talks, I'm like, oh, it looks like he's actually putting paid. Like, it looks like he's making an effort to really develop Murph and things like that. And, you know, if he kills her off, in the next book, that's going to take all that effort he put in and completely flush it down the toilet. And he not only did that, he, he did the fridge thing again. He fridged his female character. And we are, like, that trope is just as old as killing your gays. It is. It's just so... What's up? I just have a quick question. What do you mean by fridged his female character? Okay, TJ, I'm going to let you handle this because this term comes from DC Comics. From comic books. Okay. Yeah, so in DC Comics, there was a character named Kyle Ryder who, Rayner who was a Green Lantern. During the course of the first 10 episode, uh, issues of this character becoming Green Lantern, uh, he debated on whether or not to give up the ring because he didn't think he was good enough to have it. Um, the writers decided that his hurdle to get over this was to have one of his major villains break into his home, kill his girlfriend, and stuff her in the fridge. Ah. This became the character's motivation to be a hero. Ew. Okay. okay. Gail Simone, who had impressive runs on Wonder Woman and several other comics, coined the, ter- uh, the phrase, fridging a character. And basically, it now comes down to whenever, and it's mostly fem- uh, female characters, um, somebody out there is going to know the one male character who's been fridged <laughs> to give the female character her motivation. Um, but it's mostly you kill a female character to give the male hero motivation to do X. Like every yeah, Steven Seagal pro- movie ever in the 80s. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah, so, it, the problem is it just it turns it into women are props. Tired. And That's all we ever are. 
Why not? Clearly. And so the thing is, like, him doing that, and I was, we had, we had lengthy, lengthy talks when he read Battleground and told me what happened. Because I, like, I told him, I'm like, you let me know. <laughs> if it if it's any other character, I'm on board. I'm interested. Like, whatever. I want to see what happens. But if it's Murph, and he fridges his, the like, another, uh, and he does his second time, because he's already done this in the series, is fridge the love interest. So he's doing it a second time. And I'm like, if it's that, I'm done. Because honestly, and it just comes down to this. As a cis author, if I were to misrepresent trans characters in my books, and I got criticism for it, and I finally started turning, I started listening to the criticism, I started working on my stuff, and I made one of my trans characters really shine, and then the next book I killed them, that's so fucked up. You just don't do that. Like, so that's really, like, the second I heard that happen, I was like, nope, I'm out. I mean, like, if, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to what you guys have to say, like, um, for future books and stuff, if he manages to turn things around somewhat. But Well, yeah. I think, honestly, too, one of the larger problems was, even with the situation in Battlegrounds, specifically, and I, I think... W- the, the big proponent of it was a book that basically brought in 17 books worth of character side characters that have been there since book one. There was out of all of these fodder characters that have existed since, since Stormfront, only one of them died in this book. And it was the character that you've been building a, a, a love story with since book one of this series. Like there was the chemistry angle of them from the side story from even before Stormfront existed. And then there was a couple books of Susan, Susan in the background, but Murph being becoming the true love interest of the story with the will they won't they played out and to the point where everybody's like just fuck already. Like we're just waiting for it. It's getting it's getting old. And then they get their proper moment and then the end of ghost or or then the end of changes happens. And then you have this major moment that happens to Harry where Harry is fucking killed after they're like, we're going to be together. And they're like, no, you're not. Harry's going to be a ghost next book. They're like, fine. Harry's a fucking ghost next book. Go through book 13 now and get through all that shit. And then book 14 comes back and it's now Harry has to reestablish himself in Chicago. Okay. So this is going to have to take a backseat again. Um, book 15. Hey, look, they had we uh, crazy adventures in Hades in the underworld. And a lot of other crap happened. Hey, guess what? We're going to do something big with Murphy. Just kidding. We're going to do it to Butters. And you're like, all right. And then it's like horrible things happen to Murphy at the end of that book, too. Okay. Peace. Uh, then peace talks happens. Here's the relationship everybody wanted. And we're like, yay, he did the thing. And then it's like, Here's the other half of the book. Hey, I kill her in the midway point of the book. Yeah. Senselessly, too. Had nothing to do with the overall plot of the book at all. Like, it was such a waste. It had, and it was by a totally unlikable character for an unnecessary reason, just to draw another illicit response out of your main lead. And it wasn't even a great illicit response because it was like, Harry has all of the feelings for one chapter. And then he's back to quipping with everybody like nothing ever happened. And then at the end, you're like, oh, but 
this person I care about and has been my rock through this entire horrible life of mine that's been going through all these things. And it's been like my rock, who's just one of the few normal humans left in the book that is a moral compass for this character no longer exists in this world. Granted, yes, we are living and talking about a urban fantasy series where there are so many outs for the author to say, just kidding, I'm going to bring them back in two books and give them their moment to shine or whatever. But it's still ugly, the fact that he results to the same crap, especially because of essentially the epilogue of this book of basically creating the best way I can put it was the equivalent of a threes company-esque romance subplot just to tack it in to create wild zany adventures for the next book. And it was so gross and ugly and disgusting. And what hurt the most was like watching like, you know, Jim butcher from writing these books through Stormfront to nail plus Codex Alera. And uh, he has, I forget the other series he's in the midst of that. He just started. It was the steampunk series that he, he, he has, the first book out for Aeronauts um, uh, Windowless. Yeah. Um, but he's grown so much in his prose that these two books were beautifully written, but the plot was horrible. Um, yeah. It was people waited several years for this, these books to come out. And then like, this is kind of what he laid on people's doorsteps, let alone all of the other problems that existed in this entirety, in the entirety of at least battlegrounds as a whole. Um, like, I had several conversations, I think, between Jess and me, uh, to me and Kat, to TJ and myself, and several other friends who are diehard Dresden fans and have been for a long time. Um, all going, we all knew this was issues of Butcher. And this was just kind of like him unabashedly being like, yeah, this is who I am. You can deal with it or you can GTFO. Uh, and that's very much what it felt like. And it made me go... I've been in this for 17 books. I'll see this series out because we're in the home stretch. But the drive, be like, hey, the book is out today. I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'll, I'll play catch up in two books or three books from now. Because I feel like there's other things more more worth my time. So should I wait <laughs> and not read this? I didn't read it. Battleground, at least. I wouldn't say don't read it. So here's the thing. Are you going to read the next one if when it comes out? Not when it comes out. Undetermined no. at this point. So. Go ahead, TJ. So for me, it. I agree they weren't good books. I actually didn't like Peace Talks either. I <laughs> thought this was one long book that a good editor could have cut down. Cut yeah. down into a normal size book, um, had better pacing overall. I think several of the subplots could have been cut without a problem. I think several of the characters could have been cut without a problem. However, it wasn't for to me. It wasn't fridging a character to me it, because Dresden got no motivation out of this, and that is the technical definition of fridging a character. Was it a crap death? Yes, it was a crap death. I didn't like it. But to me, like, I didn't think he, like, I thought the prose was bad. I thought it was, I think it was a bad book for entirely different reasons. And for me, I'm still going to read the next couple, the next ones as they come out. But I think a lot of it was also, I waited five years for a book that was, 
I got ghost story when I want it changes, you know, and ghost story to me until now was the worst book of the series, you know, Yeah. but yeah, read it. Take your own opinions. Um, the ending for me, I didn't like the character death didn't change what the ending was going to be one way or the other. I think it did though. I respectfully disagree. Why? I think that the death had to happen for him to shoehorn in that ending. Why? And further the plot. You don't need to have, again, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it, but you don't need to have that plot moving forward. It, it just felt like such a reversal of everything. Well, no, because the plot he put in place at the end, even if Mercy Murphy had lived, that plot would have been put in place. The only difference would have been the reaction. Sure. Okay. There, there was no, like Murphy dying was bad. I honestly don't think she's dead. Um, because one, there was at the end of it, there was no body. I'm sorry. If you've read a comic book in your entire life, if there's no body, there's no death. (laughs) No, I get that. I mean, well, they okay. address that. They even address that, though, in the book, like in the epilogue of the book. They, sure. They they actively said these specific things, and they said, this is why. And we're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And th- they address that in ghost stories, too. They had no body, and he was dead for an entire book. I'm sure that it'll last. I mean, how many other characters have we had no bodies for, and they've died in the series? Again, get it. So, I think it's just I think it's the narrative decisions from, I think, uh, a, a pop oh, culture place. People, yes. I think, nowadays expect more. Uh, Aaron, again, more it, they were bad books. Hold on. Uh, Aaron, you had something you wanted to say, and then we'll get to Jess and then let's move on, because, yeah. again, yeah. I want to get other people back in the conversation. <laughs> so, so I I didn't read Battleground yet. I we listened to Peace Talks and I was just kind of bored. I was really bored with the story. I really felt like the, the Thomas thing came out of nowhere and it wasn't going anywhere and it was confusing. And usually I'm like on the edge of my seat with these books. And like, I I always, I'll always go back to small favors. I think probably that's the first one I ever read. And I was just like gripping, like what's going to happen next. And I was just bored with this story. That I agree with. <laughs> yes. I was just, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, oh, we can... okay, mom. Seriously. No, I feel like, listen to me. If you have written the same book series for 20 years, write your fucking women characters better. Like, grow right. as a writer and as a person. And that's just where I'm at at this point. Absolutely. Like, like there's no excuse. Like I, I, I think one of my favorite things that it was said, and this will kind of tie the bow on this, and this could come back up into play when we talk about disappointments. Uh, but ultimately, like I think somebody, I think Cat brought it up, and a couple of other people I've heard it echo that same statement was, um, in the course of those five years between the last Dresden Files book and this one, uh, Jim Butcher got divorced, found a new love of his life, and it makes you kind of wonder was Murphy based off of his first wife and that ended and said, Hey, cool. I'm just Here's the new love now. interest uh, that's introduced by the end of the book. 
that it's got to be. be it sounds pretty accurate to me. Yeah. Like, here's the new shiny thing. I'm tired of writing this character because this person yeah. is that was the basis who's Dead not a part of my now. life. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the way that it feels. And like, I'm thinking about it, you, you look at it objectively, you're like, maybe it's why maybe. You, as an author, you need to separate yourself from the narrative at points. Yeah. Mm. All right. So I want to give an opportunity because we've had a lot of discussion tonight between books, TV, films, gaming, uh, best and worst. Um, and I'm sure through all of these conversations, numerous, uh, numerous, uh, numerous, of us have thought of <laughs> other different um you know ideas or pieces that we forgot to bring up in those points if anybody wants to mention those now as kind of honorable mentions that we kind of skipped over um i know just in general we kind of filtered back into a few of those but i just want to make sure that everybody get a, gets a chance to kind of say oh this thing i completely forgot about uh aaron I did forget one thing that really kind of helped me pull through this year and something it didn't fit really great in a category of something we talked about, but critical role that like that has become something that I look forward to every week. And it was funny because we, we caught up to being live with it just as everything went into lockdown. So we then started going back and rewatching some of the season one stuff and watching that every week now that it's back and now they're, they're doing it safely and, and socially distanced and everything that has been a huge thing and a huge push in my love of Dungeons and Dragons and wanting to maybe even do more uh, DMing, which I'm sure my husband will love because that will get him out of the uh, DM seat for at least a couple of times. <laughs> Fair. But yeah. Uh, any other honorable mentions between like just life stuff or in general, just our bullet points, like a couple people here, Ben, you had your hand up first. Um, this doesn't fall into any category we've talked about either. Um, and it's so minute, but it was so wonderful at the same time that I got really excited about it. Uh, and it's from the world of music. And it's the fact that Daft Punk gave us more tracks to the Tron legacy soundtrack. <laughs> which was already an amazing soundtrack to begin with, but getting to hear new music from it, or at least hear it isolated rather than in the movie, I I was really excited for it. And I've listened to it a bunch. Nice. Jada, you, you, um, you look like you had Just something. being able to uh, connect with friends and stuff over platforms like Zoom, but um, being able to do so with gaming, um, we've been having a lot of fun with Scum and Villainy as well as Blades in the Dark, uh, which are two really fun games based off the same system so uh highly recommend just uh, a lot of fun in the world settings like the scum and villainy is sort of like the underbelly of you know we'll say the star wars universe but you know lightly coded in that it's not um and also scum and villainy um yeah scum and villainy and blades in the dark which is like a steampunk kind of setting along the same lines um, using the same system and um, we've been having a lot of fun with uh, some groups of friends playing those types of games so just stuff like that um, TJ's one D&D game and just you know various other um, get-togethers with friends over Zoom or Discord and things like that just to kind of keep that social aspect that's definitely something that's going to be rolling through this lovely quarantine year of 2020. Fantastic. Uh, Bill? I've got some honorable mentions for gaming so best 
I'm going to say is that there's so many more people getting into PC gaming and building their own computers, which also kind of plays into the whole lack of video cards out there. But like Micro Center is a madhouse like every day because people are just trying to go there to buy parts to build their own PCs, which is awesome. It's great to see more kids getting into making something, you know, making their own PC and learning about, you know, tech and things like that. Um, Worst has to do with a role-playing game that didn't happen because it was starting to get off the ground right before the lockdown hit, and that's your Monster Hearts game, Rob. I was really looking forward to it. I am going to be doing a test bed of Monster Hearts with a side group uh, just to see how that goes. Uh, But if everything goes well, because I really want to do a... I have another story planned for our original group. Uh, that is different from our original plan uh, that I still want to do live um, with everybody at a table um, where the other one is piggybacking off of another game I'm in. And then Jada is joining us in for that. So, um, so don't worry, it will still happen. It will definitely still happen. Um, I'm trying to remember if this came out this year or not, because I generally don't remember. It did. Uh, I got to say a video game one I completely missed was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, which I, I, it's, I forgot that was still March of this year. That was this year. Which was crazy. Um, and as batshit crazy places that that game went, um, by God, it went there <laughs> and it did weird, weird ass Final Fantasy things that only Final Fantasy feels like it can do sometimes. And it makes you just sit there and scratch your head and be like, I have no fucking clue what's happening. What was this game? And I generally couldn't tell you <laughs> at plenty moments in time, especially where it wrapped up. But still, it was enough that I'm like, I'm very intrigued to see what the hell they're trying to pull here. Uh, And I think I'm here for it because the combat was great. The characterizations were awesome. The music was great. The combat was awesome. Um, There was just so many dumb things to thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And honestly, it ended up being kind of really progressive for a game that came out in the mid 90s that they just remade. And it very much wasn't progressive then. So the fact that they kind of like you had a Japanese developer look at, you know, Eastern culture for them and say, huh, let's let's maybe do a bit better. And they did. And it was kind of crazy to see it play out that way. So good on them, like really good on them. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm here for this weird acid trip of whatever the fuck they're thinking uh, from Tetsuya Nomura, because holy shit, um, he, he either had suffered a major head injury at some point in time. Most likely you could follow that with his subset of the way he named um, Kingdom Hearts spinoff games of when that injury probably occurred and then just ran with it as a director on the remake of Final Fantasy. So um, and anybody that laughed at that very much gets that joke. So. <laughs> Um, any other honorable mentions for anything that they want to bring up still? I can't think of anything else. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to our last little piece here and then we'll hit our MFK and GTFO. So, um, what is everybody looking forward to in 2021, which is, doesn't feel like a real year. It feels like a made up year. Uh, Jada. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm looking forward to getting vaccinated so I can see people again. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Ahsoka Tano show. I'm looking forward to more Mandalorian. And I am looking forward to um, the Bad Batch, which is the new animated series that they're going to have that looks amazing. So um, that's it. 
Well, Mandalorian, you're going to be waiting past 2021. I know. Okay. Thanks, Ben. I'm aware. Okay. <laughs> well, we get the book of Boba Fett, though. So yes, true. And again, more Ming Ming Wen. So because right? she is a fucking Definitely rock looking star. forward to that. Um, it's unfair how good she looks. She's 50. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Got th- I got things. You got, got things. Yeah, I was about do. to say. I was about to say. I don't want to be looking forward to anything. Like uh, I don't want to put that hype on anything um, because of certain things that just happened with Git games and such. Um, however, I will say that I'm excited about Dune, uh, and hopefully that hits streaming services and not just theaters. Um, depending upon when they, you know, where we are when it gets released, as well as. John Wick Four, I think, as I, well. I think Dune was in the lineup of what HBO Max is getting is. this year. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as is uh, John Wick Four. I think. Well, I don't think the... John Wick Four. Oh is no, they're a different studio, different company. Uh, you're thinking. You might be thinking of the Matrix Four. Matrix Four is yeah. same day. That's yeah. that's why. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that one too. Put that on there. <laughs> uh, Aaron. I am really looking forward to In the Heights finally being released. Yes. It was supposed to be released this year and they pushed it back. Um, I am looking forward to Spielberg's um, West Side Story being released as well. I have um, Midland hopes for that one. And I personally am looking forward to hopefully seeing live theater again. I really, really miss it. Um. Honestly, I will say for me in gaming space, there's a couple games that, again, high chance at least one of these is going to get pushed back. But man, PlayStation has got a baller year coming up for PS5 this year between Horizon Forbidden West, which Horizon Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games, and that's slated for mid-year. Ratchet and Clank actually even still looks awesome. and That's in two months. Um, And then... The game that I think that will slip is going to be uh, God of War 2, uh, which is God of War Ragnarok. Um, and if it's a continuation of what we got with the God of War reboot, um, I'm really fucking excited. Uh, the fact that all three of these games could make for one of the coolest years for PlayStation fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really pumped to see what they're going to do with all three of those, in all honesty, let alone how many other surprises are going to be coming. And it sounds like Yo, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is is still in 2021 game. Um that's slated for late summer, early early um early fall. So it's a it, it's seems like 2021 is going to be a really awesome year for for video games and I'm really pumped to see it. Um in addition to that though too, DC Comics Future State. They're doing some really cool things and I'm really excited to see what they're going to uh, to really pull out out of all of this. So uh, even if it's a short-term thing, I'm looking forward to seeing some new characters, especially some characters that are a lot more inclusive. I mean, the fact that we're getting a non-binary Flash is pretty damn awesome. Um, and there's so many other new characters that they have lined up for the short term that look cool. Teach. Uh, so, you know, apparently the non-binary Flash as well as the new Wonder Woman will be sticking around and being included in various series. Yay. I'm cool with that. So, 
And hey, Titans Academy, the one book I'm most excited yeah. about. All the original Teen Titans teaching class to young, uh, young superheroes in a school. Wait, setting. what? And yeah. it's and it's the Jeff Johns Teen Titans group for the most part. It's and the animated series. It's fire, uh, you know, Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Raven, and um, Nightwing. So, That's and awesome. it that sounds like it's going to be an awesome book. I mean. I'm pumped for it. I'm curious to see what they'll do. Um, anybody else next for things they're looking forward to? Uh, ben, uh, I have a couple. I, I'm I'm looking forward to the Matrix Four, as Bill mentioned. Um, January first, I'm looking forward to season three of Cobra Kai because I love that show. Uh, I'm looking forward to um, a very particular event happening on January 20th, and that's pretty much where I'll leave it. Um, as to not get political. Think about it for a second. There we go. Yeah, let it click. <laughs> uh, a couple other movies that are going to be releasing out on HBO Max this year, Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm really anticipating, as I am Tom and Jerry, because I grew up as a Tom and Jerry fan, and I'm really looking. The trailer actually looks like it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, and, and other than that, uh, I think 2020 gave me the, the rest I needed when it came to superhero fatigue. So I'm kind of actually anticipating some of the Marvel stuff that's coming to Disney plus like, uh, uh, Falcon and winter soldier and Loki most particularly are the two I'm oh. looking forward to WandaVision WandaVision show too. Uh, it's coming. It's coming, but that's not at the top of my, it's, it's below Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki for me. You're not the target audience, so <laughs> maybe not. I don't get me wrong. I I love Wanda. I, I think she's a fantastic character. Um, I love Scarlet Witch, and I like um, Vision. It's just it, I, I, I and I will watch it. It's just out of the three of those shows, it's the third on the list. Gotcha. Um, everybody else had hands up. I'm trying to remember who all I think Kat and Jess both had hands up. Uh, Kat, mine's simple, it's just seeing people again. (laughs) 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 I know it's like not anything super crazy, but you know, I get that. Um, and I mean, like, I'm looking forward to continuing, like, the you know. TJ's D&D game, like all the like the games that we're in, things like that. And just being able to interact. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Jess? There are some books and stuff that I'm definitely ready for in the new year, but I'm just looking forward to like being able to do karaoke with all you people again. Like, honest to God, that's one of my like top items for when we're all vaccinated and, and it's safe to do. Um, that's a big one. I'm also going to try to figure out how to celebrate my upcoming birthday. Cause that's coming up and that's a big one. And the Rona ruined my plans for it. Um, so I'm trying to think of new, um, post Rona ways to, to handle that. So, um, I may have something I can talk to you about with that. To see okay. if, if there's something, Jess, Jess, might... is this the big three O? What? No, is this the big three O. <laughs> <gasps> She's joining the club. <laughs> um, yes. I was supposed to be on a cruise and not sober for a week and Corona ruined it. Oh, fine. We you still, you could still not be sober. I was going to say, you don't have to be sober for the week still. But. <laughs> yeah, you would just have to 
Well, no, you would have been paying for your booze anyway. Yeah, that will just be cheaper. Yeah, but then I'm just not sober at home. I was going to be not sober on a boat. You could just pretend you're on a boat. Yeah. No, you do. In the on like a tiny little... Yeah. I was gonna say, you get drunk enough, it's fine. <laughs> Ask your husband to say, we're going to move the couch for a week. You get a kiddie pool for the floor. <laughs> yeah. And you say, I'm going to live here for a week. And if this cup, this margarita glass empties at any point in time, please refill. <laughs> We we could get you a rowboat and we can stick it in your backyard. I don't I mean, know if Mike would agree to these terms, but I have <laughs> the idea. I just now want a picture of you and Corbin in this kiddie pool in the <laughs> yeah. middle of your living room. Can I just ask, like, real quick off the topic, are you wearing a mouse rat t-shirt? Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, I am. <laughs> I love it. Uh so Let's I just see. want to do theater again. I want to sing again. I want to see your goddamn faces. I'm going to be a hugger after this, you guys. Like <laughs> so much hugging, it's going to get Hold weird. On and not let go. Oh, yeah. Be ready for that. Again, it's that whole idea of the the platonic cuddle puddle that will occur Have after this. Snuggle everyone, all of us, please. I already I already dubbed that the first thing that we throw is probably going to be a um a, a cereal. Um, you know, a cereal cartoons day. Yes. That is just an all-day thing that's an open house. And it's basically like, where you vaccinated, you are welcome to come. And then it's just going to be like, people just get just cuddle get comfy, cuddle, watch cuddle TV, time. whatever. Even if I know it's still just being stuck in a house, but still, I think everybody's going to be so happy to do it with somebody else. Sounds so, uh, Aaron and TJ, uh, how about you guys? Things you're excited for. Well, I mean, I already went. I'm, I'm just. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's a like, lot. It's a lot harder to mentally follow eight people talking. No, I'm forgettable. It's totally fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not at all. EJ. Um, I'm looking forward to some comic book stuff, Future State and the new uh, Infinite from DC. Um, Marvel actually has released a lot of their 2021 plans. Um. So I don't have anything to talk about there. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Oh, the Snyder Cut. I mean, we got to talk about that, right? No, we don't. We uh-huh. really don't. <laughs> I'm looking for, uh, for... For the Snyder Cut, I'm looking forward to, to it being completely average. Do you guys know the Eddie Izzard line? Okay, so you're British, so tone it down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have that conversation with TJ every time he brings up the Snyder Cut. I'll be like, okay, but it's still Justice League, so tone it down a bit. <laughs> no, I think it's just going to be incredibly average. I don't think it's going to get any better or any worse, though yeah. it would be hysterical if it got worse. It's a lateral move. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. But um, what else was I'm looking forward to actually putting people on my at my D and D table, so that'll be nice. But yeah, mostly it's just I I want to see people. I would also like to not see the inside of my apartment. Yeah, true. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll be at a house. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I want to put out there uh, two things: one super big, and one just that I thought of uh, conventions. Um, that's the big one. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's the little one. I I know I was being silly because oh, yeah. yeah, I think I we all know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, so so that one because I had a weird moment the other day where I was like, wait a minute, wasn't last week just 
like packs unplugged i had yeah, a very weird like time crunch thing happening in my head where i'm like what happened between now and when packs unplugged was because i felt like i was like it was just like so recent in my mind I know. Um, uh, honestly really the witcher came out as a tv show we had all had christmas and that was the end of uh, and then that yeah, was this last yeah, week no, that's you just yeah. just that's it makes sense <laughs> um but yeah no the, the big thing is that i'm looking forward to being a dad yeah. In May, come May, so yay. there will be a new Early little geekling, <laughs> another member of the crew. Yep. Really says woohoo. One of us has got to roll a one on this. Somebody's got to have a jock kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't know. look at me. I'm done. <laughs> I was the, I'm the OG parent of the group here, so you are. We have this one, and I'm also done. <laughs> 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 Megan's very um, sporty. We could, you know, Bridget could turn out that way. There you go. Hey, Quidditch is a sport, Fletch right? It's going to be like Riley, though. And then we're Rob and I are going to be like, we don't know what to do with this. I'm <laughs> sorry. Me and Megan have you covered. Thank we you. we got sports under control. Cool. We'll swap kids on those weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bill and Aunt Megan are going to take you to your travel game. That's three states away. Have fun, guys. <laughs> we're going to watch Star Trek this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, Quidditch is a sport, right? I mean, it counts. Uh, all right. So guess it's time to wrap up this episode. We'll go through our MFK um, and talk a little bit about what's to come into next year. And we'll get out of here. All right. So this uh, was going to be better themed for our second half of the episode. Uh, but, um, you know, because we didn't get through the entire of the outline. This too could also be a disappointment for me because I spent the time to write it. Um, so it still can tie back to the MFK of disappointing, uh, disappointing superheroes. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds as the Green Lantern, Halle Berry as Catwoman and Ben Affleck as Daredevil uh, for our MFK. And I thought that was wonderfully fitting. So, so. All right. Uh, let's start with Jada. <laughs> All right. I'm probably not alone in this, but I'm sorry, Ben Affleck. You got to die. Um, yeah, totally murdering him. Fuck the hell out of Halle Berry. And then I guess I'd marry Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he's adorable and sweet. And I mean, it, I'm, am I marrying him as Green Lantern? Because I could even get behind that suit. I mean, that's that's kind of OK. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. Let's remember uh, this. Let's just remember the suit is CG, so that means that's probably just. Uh, so he's walking around the house in like a skin tight green outfit. Oh no, <laughs> I'm totally fine with this. He's adorable. Yeah, I'd marry Ryan Reynolds, fuck Halle Berry, and kill Ben Affleck. Fair, um, Bill. So I am going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> kill, uh, kill Batman, Ben Affleck. Daredevil. Wait, Daredevil. Daredevil. I'm getting things confused because <laughs> I am already disappointed by the choices presented to me. Uh, <laughs> um, but we will fuck Halle Berry's Catwoman and marry Ryan Reynolds' uh, Green Lantern. And he's got that super sweet payday from Aviation Gin, by which I mean not really. <laughs> Cat. Mine's the exact same thing because, yeah, no, no Ben Affleck. Ugh. And Halle Berry's hot as shit, but yeah, that Catwoman was no bueno. And uh, yeah, 
Ryan Reynolds in a heartbeat. Him as um, Hal Jordan? Fuck yeah. I don't think this is going to change too much person <laughs> to person. Uh, ben. Mine is different. Oh. Um, okay. Should I hold I'm, you? Should I hold on you then? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Jess. Same. <laughs> <laughs> There's really why. Yes, same. Hard same. Okay. <laughs> Differing reasons at all? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> ben Affleck doesn't do it for me. Halle Berry has a nice body, and Ryan Reynolds would be good to marry. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else joining the fray of the exact same selections? <laughs> yes, not. no. No. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. You know what? Is that the first time we've ever swept the board with an MFK? We haven't swept yet. We haven't swept. Yeah, still, I'm, I'm different. All right. Different. We'll come, we're going to come. You know what? Let's go to Aaron and then we'll go to Ben. Mm-hmm. We got okay. teams too. So I know. Don't worry. I didn't forget him. Okay. So, I mean, I'm going to stay with the Mary Ryan Reynolds because who wouldn't want to marry Ryan Reynolds? I don't care if Green Lantern or not. It's fucking Ryan Reynolds. I'm going to kill Holly Berry. She just never does it for me. She's never done it for me. So, and Catwoman was awful. I have had the biggest crush on Ben Affleck since chasing Amy. So sue me. So I would totally <laughs> fuck the hell out of Ben Affleck. <laughs> and I saw Daredevil in college like four times because I loved him so much. Respect so, there. Respect. <laughs> so there you go. That's totally fair. Ben. So I'm with everybody else. I'm marrying Ryan Reynolds because it's Ryan fucking Reynolds. Like you need him in your life. Um, I'm killing Catwoman for the same reasons as Aaron. I just, I never got into Holly Berry and that movie is atrocious. Uh, But in the immortal words that Jimmy Kimmel spoke to Matt Damon, I'm fucking Ben Affleck. Um, Because he's he's blind so he doesn't have to look at the gut that i got right now from the covid 15 i can avoid it so it's pleasure with no visual i'm happy right tj see i went off the quality of the movies (laughs) of course you did (laughs) you you would be the one of us to do that so I killed Catwoman because, oh, my God, has anybody actually watched that all the way through? No. Uh, I, I did, and it's it's a very oh my bad God. movie. <laughs> it, it makes you want to pour bleach in your eyes. Okay. Daredevil was bad, but it was serviceable. So I'd fuck Ben Affleck, and then... Is he serviceable? I was going to say, Ben Affleck apparently is serviceable. Yeah. So. And um, Green Lantern was the best of the three, so I'd marry Ryan Reynolds. No, I disagree with you. I, totally I'm so sorry. I, ha- I I now have a really... I have something I, it's not going to leave my head for a very long time. I'll wait until after the episode to bring it up. Uh, okay. But it kind of broke me mentally, and it's going to be a little while. Oh, it's probably going to be a little while. <laughs> good good stuff. <laughs> Language sometimes and word choices can change a lot of things. Yeah, I heard it when it came out. So serviceable. <laughs> cool. Uh yours. yeah. I, I I don't even know if I have the wherewithal to keep going. Um just <laughs> <laughs> dead on me. Know. I win. <laughs> uh, um I, I'm gonna basically go 
right along with the early early crew in this. And honestly, you marry Ben, uh, not Ben Affleck, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds purely even just because of the current match, you know, match uh, match.com ad he just mm-hmm. put out. Because dear fuck, was that one of the best things I have ever seen? And if you haven't watched the uh, match.com ad that he did with Satan meeting 2020, it's good. it was so one of the best things in the universe. And they opted to be smart and use the Tim Curry version of the devil. So even better. As, you should. As everyone should. Um, and, and honestly, he, he's, he is just a fucking national treasure. You'll never run out of gin ever. Um, and I would, I, yeah. And I can't imagine you'll ever be it with a day without a laugh. Um, Halle Berry, again, same reason as everybody else. Ben Affleck, there's always a day without a laugh. Um, so. <laughs> Um, no, actually, I do think he is actually, he, he, he actually really, like I said, that was actually a hard call for me for between the two. Cause I generally I think both of them are actually really exceptional in a lot of the stuff that they are. But again, Ryan Reynolds has to win, win, win crown on this one. So, so, so Rob to you, Ben Affleck is not serviceable. No. no. <laughs> <sighs> Good stuff. All right. So. Coming in 2021, before we all say our goodbyes, what's going on in our our, our lives, uh, which we kind of already have done a little bit of, uh, but um, definitely expect more in-depth content like we gave you over the summer. I'm really hoping that we can actually broach a topic that we talked about after doing the, uh, the LGBTQ um, episode, which was even talking about um, things like kink in in pop culture and its importance in geek culture and how that's expanded and changed a lot. Um, you know, things are evolving pretty dramatically. I even talking about, you know, like I said, you know, the other part of this conversation, like our disappointments in pop culture is probably how we're going to start off the year. You know, like I said, the idea in talking about more about inclusivity, I think is something that we're going to really want to get into more and more. Um, and I think the just list just goes on and on. I think the topics are pretty much endless and there was a lot of content we didn't get to that we wanted to this year. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to carry a lot of those into next year's conversation, which also means most likely Disney episode as it part three or part four will probably have to happen. So. Um, but it was crazy that we missed a Halloween episode this year for us, which is kind of bonkers crazy. So I feel like we'll uh, we'll we'll have to fix that next year a little bit. I, I so, was bummed because you and I missed an entire season of a podcast this year, too. Which yeah, we were really looking forward to doing. But like I said, that show will be we'll be back as well, which is uh, still afraid of the dark. So mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll maybe do a little bit. But I think you'll be seeing and hearing a lot of these names and voices throughout next year and i'm really excited to be able to find a way to make the show work even if it's from a virtual setting or if we have to modify to get more episodes out to you and then ultimately my big exciting thing for next year is doing the show all around the table again together and looking forward to making that kind of come back into fruition because it's been far too long since this group of people has been around a table geeking out and arguing about stupid crap so um (laughs) But again, we really hope that you enjoyed the little bit of content we gave you this year, but hopefully the content that we did give you was some of our best that we've ever come out with. If not, just uh, we really hope that you cared about what we did for the summer. And if we make any changes in lateral moves, the hope is to give you more of that than more of what we just did. 
And that's not to say that what this was was poor. It was just, I think we really elevated our game with what we gave you then. So we really hope we can do more of that for you in 2021. Uh, and just to sign off, starting with Ben, what do you got going on in your life? Um, so I have set myself a goal for 2021, and that is to read all eight novels of Stephen King's The Dark Tower before the end of the year. Um, I have a new podcast launching in January. That's a film roundtable podcast. But other than that, I'm looking forward to, as you mentioned, continuing podcasting, whether it's on my own or with other people or guesting on other podcasts, sitting around a table with with you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again. Uh, you know, the year is wrapping up and it, it's not addressed enough to the people that are listening. But everybody here on this this video call right now knows that you guys are my family. So to do this, it's been a long time. So to do it tonight just feels like a great way to wrap up this year. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. Uh, as for my plug, everything's on the next level network.com. Just go there and look for it. <laughs> uh, Kat. Uh, so January, February and March are kicking off with a boom for me. Uh, uh, my final Whitfield Files book comes out end of January, which is um, Alchemist and Arsonist. It's a steampunk romance with a paranormal like adventure twist. And uh, then in February, Midnight Heist comes out, which is the first book in my Outlaws series, which is a, uh, a queer romantic suspense. This romantic heist. Um, think like leverage ish and um then in march can find desires uh, the first in my lesbian romance trilogy comes out so and that's a quarantine romance <laughs> but yeah so i'm gonna be having books come out in a year which is awesome awesome uh jess um don't really have much planned right now. So you can find me on Twitter yelling about the books I read and trying to stave off the existential crisis of turning 30. And hey, starting to shop for your indoor pool. I'm starting to <laughs> shop for my indoor pool, yes. Bill. So as I mentioned earlier on in the episode, um, I tried to start a YouTube channel and stream a little bit more, even though I lost my video card. Once I get a new one, I'm going to go right back to it, recording my RPG sessions and trying to edit them down into funny little videos to post on YouTube. Hopefully, once I get enough subscribers, youtube.com slash Nocturoba or on Facebook, uh, search for Nocturoba Gaming and I'll be posting videos there. Awesome. As well as hoping to continue get, uh, being talent on this podcast and guesting on the new movie podcast from Ben, even though my movie watching skills are we'll somewhat to be desired. We'll find something for you. It's all right. Uh, and then <laughs> even apart from that, um, I've got another friend who's trying to start up his own podcast about meditation and mindfulness um, as some of his topics. And uh, I hope to talk with him about that stuff too. Fantastic. Jada. I too will be trying to stave off the existential crisis about turning 30 this year. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have much going on aside from like work and school and momming. Um, I do want to hopefully get back into teaching dance fitness this year. I'm still certified um, 
in Zumba and Bombay Jam. I've been working a lot at the studio. They're putting out new content. Uh, Bombay Jam is putting out new content. And I've been trying to like keep up with that and just keep myself on track. It's it. I feel like this year has been a marathon and I don't want to slow pace for 2021. I'm hoping that 2021 will be a good year. Uh, as an essential worker, I'll get vaccinated within like the first, I think I'm like round one B or something like that. So I am looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to seeing my friends, looking forward to hopefully when everyone is safe, maybe we get together and do a huge bonfire party or something like the good old days. So that's, that's what I want. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Aaron. I will be staving off the existential crisis of turning 40 this year. <laughs> you and me both. Yo, 40 uh, is Don't let anybody tell you different. I'm just like leveling up. It's freaking, you reach the age of ascension and give zero fucks. So it's like freaking fantastic. Yes. Oh, I'm excited to reach the age of ascension. Uh, no, hopefully, hopefully by, by like fall, things will have been kind of back to normal a little bit because TJ and I are really hoping to do like a 40th birthday trip so I can finally go see Halloween Horror Nights down in Universal Studios. That is the goal. <laughs> and honestly, if the soft launch that they did of the Beetlejuice house is any indication of what's to come, holy shit. Right. I'm I'm like I, I'm just I, I looked at like the points that we have for our hotel and I looked at our vouchers for our airfare and I was like, oh, we can do this. We just have to make sure the world is OK. <laughs> but um, so that's about it. <laughs> TJ. Um, so starting in 2021, I am going to be recording our Dungeons and Dragons sessions uh, for the f- first one in 2021. It'll be over Zoom. Um, and I'll be editing them slightly and then putting them up online. Uh, so both groups will go up, uh, and our friends and probably only our friends, let's be very honest here. will be able to see the herd of cats that I have to deal with in both groups. Fair enough. That's <laughs> offensive to cats. You're right. I just laughed so hard at that, TJ, that my computer reminded me that I was muted. <laughs> what is our group called? Team Dumbass? Like what? No, no, what? no. No, you guys yeah, are the dumbass. Communist Party, and the other group is Parliament. And also, no, we're, we're chaotic we're, we're, dumbass. We're chaotic dumbass. We're chaotic dumbass. That's we're, it. That's our the lols. The legion, the legion of Lost Socks. Lords yeah. of Leafy Spinach. The list just goes on and on and on. For the lols. <laughs> also i apologize now for everything i'm writing for your characters of my bed that's fine all good um as for me um like i said i will be doing my best to bring this show to you each and every month uh i will probably actually because of us continuing to probably do so this way for a while uh i'm going to probably lean, lean on our our producer and cast member ben to remind me to get off my ass to schedule the fucking show. <laughs> um, so we can actually try to make this more normal. Uh, and I think because we were all just, again, getting through the year and hoping things would change uh, and then had major life changes on top of it, that it was really hard to to give a consistent show. Um, I think we now are at a place that we can find a way to make this work in 2021. Um there's going to be difficulties and we know there's going to be months that are, we're going to have gaps and holes or 
people out and whatnot, and it will be maybe a different show than it was meant to be, but we'll do our best to give you a good 10, 10 episodes with a hope of 12 um, and not four and a half slash five episodes in the course of 12 months. So um, like I said, that is, that is our hope. And like I said, you know, life, life throws weird curveballs at us as I think 2021 is a really great, greatly evident of, and uh, we hope you stick with us and listen when we put out an episode. And if you can't, that's cool. Um, but, you know, like I said, check in when you can, because you never know what content's going to be there for you when you're just looking for something to listen to. And hopefully um, our conversations are enlightening and help you learn to be a better geek, uh, not just for yourself, but for the geeks around you. So until then, we'll see you in 2021. <laughs>